it's amazing to look back because Steve Atwater's path to the Hall of Fame looked to be dead for a while. And the fact that he was a finalist in 2016, it was great, but it was the first time he'd been a finalist. And then he dropped off the radar for a little bit. And one thing that was so awesome about getting to work with him five days a week on a radio show for two years was after a while realizing that there were things we could do to help him. So we started getting Hall of Fame voters on the radio (laughs) one by one. And Steve Atwater, he didn't want to talk up his case, but Ryan Edwards and I on the show, we were willing to ask the question. Steve was modest. Ryan and I were the jerks kind of pushing and saying, hey, you got Steve Atwater here. Do you think he should be a Hall of Famer? (laughs) And I'm not going to say that it did everything because Steve Atwater's resume was sterling and he should have been a Hall of Famer long ago. But I do think with this Hall of Fame selection process that there was a need to remind the voters of just how accomplished the player Steve Atwater was. I feel like it was a job well done by everybody. Steve has the gold jacket, and guys, he's going to be like Terrell Davis and Floyd Little. No one's going to be prouder to be a Hall of Famer. I think he's going to go through several gold jackets because he's going to wear that darn thing out. (laughs) He is on the ultimate team. And Steve has told me that the ring he wears, no offense to Super Bowl rings, but the ring he wears is going to be that Hall of Fame ring. It's an exclusive club. And, man... To know somebody who's in the Hall of Fame, oh, it's just amazing. Can't can't wait to celebrate with him in Canton. I love that you said to know somebody because for me, the first day that Steve was working for the Broncos, I was like, I was awestruck. It's like you're just not you don't you just don't expect to like meet those people when you're a kid. And so I called my mom the next day and I was like, mom, I met Steve Atwater today. Like he's, he's going to be around. He's like working for the Broncos. And it was so cool to me. And it was more of like a star and a fan type of relationship on that first day. And then the next day I went into Broncos and I walked into the same time as Steve Atwater. And that day he was like, what's up, Ryan? And I was like, Oh my God. Steve Atwater knows my name like that's just the type of guy he like you know he's an he's one of those people we've talked about this before when you're in the room with him and you're talking to him he makes you feel like you're important and it's such a important skill in life and Steve is so good at that so uh now actually knowing Steve on a personal level it's still sometimes surreal to me and now he's a Hall of Famer, and he deserves it more than anyone. Well, you pretty much took the story right out of my mouth. That first day when he was there and realizing that he was going to be there and be kind of a, a co-worker for, a, for the foreseeable future, just starstruck standing next to him, and he came up to me and introduced himself to me, a, a ring of famer at the time, an eight-time Pro Bowler, a future Hall of Famer. I, of course, we all knew he was going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. Came up to me and and introduced himself to me. And then, like you said, Ryan, he remembers your name uh, right after that. And not only remembers your name, uh, but it, it was kind of impressive the very next day, I think. You know, when he remembered your name, now to have a relationship with him, he really, really is. This gets used maybe too much but the hall of fame player hall of fame person he is that and, and i was thinking about this over the weekend i don't know if i'm ever going to say that 
about someone else again just because it, it'll diminish what Steve is because he truly is that good of a guy. And then the second reason that I was so you know struck but by by being next to him and, and shaking his hand was how freaking big he is. <laughs> it is it, it it is incredible and and he hasn't he hasn't lost any sort of his physique since he stopped playing. He looks like he could go out and be. What uh, a defensive end right now in the NFL? You'd yeah. be an edge rusher. <laughs> yes, I still see guys come up to him and kind of tremble a little bit <laughs> when they look at him, knowing what kind of hits he delivered and looking like he could go out there and make those same kinds of hits today, even though he's in his mid fifties now. And to think how differently this all could have turned out, he could have played quarterback. Yep. He was a high school quarterback at Lutheran North High in St. Louis. He loved playing basketball, and one day on the radio mentioned that if North Carolina had recruited him to play basketball, he would have gone to go play for Dean Smith. How differently things would have turned out. Really would have changed. All right, plenty more Steve Atwater to talk to come on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Let's jump into it. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. And before we jump in, first remember to use that code DNVR20 when you get your Strava Craft Coffee. And also, remember to mention DNVR when you head out to Bojo's this week. And when you do, they're going to hook you up with a free honey cheese bread to go along with whatever delicious Colorado mountain pie you get. It's the only place you can get a Colorado mountain pie. And if you haven't had one, you gotta. Because if you're like me, you love honey. And not only do they incorporate honey into the crust, there's a nice giant jar of honey right next to it that you can have on your crust. Your dinner comes with your dessert. I can't think of a better deal than that. Plus, you're going to get a free honey cheese bread on top. All right, guys, let's continue the Steve Atwater discussion today. uh, As there's nothing that can really ruin my weekend after that happened. And... I, it's so similar to the Larry Walker situation for me. I was so ready to be mad. I'm sitting there on Saturday afternoon. Uh, a couple friends had come over because it was beautiful out, and we we're getting ready to go to Top Golf actually. And I was like, "Hang on." I text, I texted Mace. I'm like, "When should we find out about this?" He's like, "In the next 45 minutes." So I like told my friends, "I'm like, let's just wait. I want to see what happens." I'll fire off my tweet about how pissed off I am, and then we can go. And I was so ready for it. Um, And then the news comes in that he's made it, and it was like this ultimate relief. And I'm sure it's exactly how Drew Creaseman felt uh, when, when Larry got in, because it's like you're not expecting it, and you've just been pushing for it. I mean, we've we've had, you know, Zach especially, we've had hour long discussions on this podcast about what a travesty it is that Steve Atwater isn't in the Hall of Fame. 
every year I've tweeted some variation of the Hall of Fame is a sham until they put in Steve Atwater. And I was just, I was ready to, to be mad again. And it was such a great, great relief to know that the injustice had been righted and that Steve was finally in. Yeah. And it's funny because you talk about like how, you know, you're, it's an injustice. And I think not only is Steve going in, but I also think of how John Lynch has been a finalist and has even been in the final 10 so many times and he hasn't gotten in and how they feel in Tampa right now. And that's how we would feel today if Steve Atwater had not gotten in. It's like, okay, what is it going to take to push him over the goal line for this? The, the resume is so strong. We've, you know, we've all tweeted out we've all shared our sentiments in various forms of media over the course of the last couple of years laid out the facts laid out you know how his players with his resume I think the stat that I put out there is forgot of all the players that played at least nine seasons and made the Pro Bowl 70 more than 70 percent of the time until this Saturday the only player who was not in was Steve Atwater so you're so we can sort of say the same things with Randy Gratishar as well, and I'm sure we're going to all start taking up the, Gra- the Gratishar cause again as the glow from this fades. But uh, my goodness, what a you know what a moment it was, and uh, the fact that he had to wait so long, even though he wasn't a finalist very often, his third time as a finalist, the fact that he'd been out there for 16 years waiting for this call, th- there was a lot of urgency here, guys, because. He was basically four years away from having to go into the seniors pool. And that can be a purgatory. Ask Randy Gratishar about that. He was a two-time finalist in the modern era. He didn't get in. And he's been in that seniors pool purgatory now for over a decade. And we keep talking up his cause. And it keeps falling on deaf ears. So a sense of happiness, a sense of relief, a sense of validation. I think all of those things washed over us. And it felt wonderful. And I'm with you, RK. Nothing could ruin the weekend from a football perspective after seeing Lumba, as his teammates call him, get into the Hall of Fame. The stat that just got me was 24 players had made the Pro Bowl or had had made the Super Bowl three times and had eight or more Pro Bowl appearances. Going into this weekend, what, 20 of them were in the Hall of Fame? One was Steve Atwater. Uh, who is the other one? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning. Oh, well, there's Peyton Manning and Tom Brady who will obviously go in, and then someone else also went in in this class this year. And to me, that's it. Team success and also individual success. So that 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 right there, that's all Steve Atwater. That's all the case that needed to be made for Steve Atwater. So I'm so happy that it happened. And one of the things, I didn't need comforting after he was in, but one of the things that just really comforted me even more was – so many Hall of Famers saying, you've, you, Steve's already forgot about the wait that he had to go through. You know, mm-hmm. I had to wait. And so many other guys are saying, yeah, I had to wait one Steve year. Steve himself had, said it. Right. I said it doesn't wait, matter now. Right. I had to wait eight years. Once you're in, you don't care. Nobody around you cares. It's not like in this club people are like, oh, you had to wait so many years. I only had to wait two years. No. Mm-hmm. Once you are in, Steve is in. This is something that will never be taken from him. And boy, seeing him get the knock. 
the David Baker knock and him jump up. And it wasn't the maid this time. on his face. Wasn't the maid <laughs> like it was last year. Yes. I think they've put fail safes in now to ensure that that does not happen again for these Hall of Famers, that they don't get a knock from house housekeeping. You mentioned the Super Bowls that he played in. Perhaps his best individual game was in Super Bowl 32. Goodness. Yeah. Probably, if not for Terrell Davis, Steve Atwater is the MVP of that game. Mm-hmm. Playing his best in the biggest moments, on the biggest stages. And then the other thing I just have to say is that, um, you know, he's been dreaming about this for a while. He's also seen how another Bronco great, Floyd Little, who waited a long time to get in. He was retired for 34-plus years before he got the nod from the Hall of Fame uh, as a part of the, of the coming out of the Seniors Committee. And Steve has seen how Floyd has become one of the most prominent ambassadors for the Hall of Fame. Anytime they ask you know, Hall of Famers to go you know, overseas or represent uh, the Hall of Fame, represent the NFL, that Floyd is one of the first to do it. And I think Steve Atwater is going to be one of those guys who's kind of a Pied Piper for the Hall of Fame. I feel like this is going to be a wonderful new phase in Steve Atwater's life, being an ambassador for the Hall of Fame and an ambassador for the game, representing Denver, but also representing the entire National Football League. And we've seen what kind of ambassador he is for the Broncos. They couldn't ask for any better. And now he gets to do that on a bigger stage. I couldn't be thrilled for him. I know he is so excited about that opportunity. One more story here. Um, and this is, if you remember what I said after Randy didn't get in, I said, I, I wish I could just not care. I want to not care about the Hall of Fame, but the players care. And that's what makes me care is because I know that it matters to them. And the, the day that I developed that take, Zach and I were with Steve Atwater when he found out, I think it was two years ago, that he didn't even make the finalists. Was mm-hmm. that two years ago? Yeah, 2018. And he played it cool, as he always does, but I could I could feel it. You know, like, we're just standing there, and the, the 15 finalists came out, and he wasn't part of it, and someone told him, and he was just like, oh, it's okay, that's all right. But I, I don't know, it was just in the air that it, it was painful for him. And that's when I was like, man, I want to not care about this, but he cares about it. So now I have to care about it because I care about him. And uh, I felt like we in the media, speaking for myself, but others, honestly, I felt like we'd let Steve down, that we had not done enough to champion him. And, and it was after that that I think that really I I thought, okay, we got to push harder, got to do something different. He should be in he deserves to be in and unfortunately part of this process is political and lobbying and reminding people just what kind of player he was and it was you know I'm I'm not a salesperson in any way shape or form it's hard but I thought okay how do how do we all sell Steve Atwater better because it's a crock a complete joke that he isn't even a finalist at this point and I would say this, as looking back as well, all of Broncos country has done a really good job selling Hall of Famers over the last few years. Because think about this, Trell Davis, he was kind of on the fringe. He got in in 2017. Pat Bolin, shoot, I mean, 
basically taking him from just a, an owner who did a good job to somebody who's in the Hall of Fame. Steve Atwater's in, and he was off the radar for a long time in terms of the Hall of Fame discussion. This is now four Bronco Hall of Famers in the last four ye- four years, and really the only one that was a slam dunk was Champ Bailey. Mm-hmm. And It'll be 5-5 five and five next year, but Peyton Manning... That's going to be kind of like the Woody Page presentation of John Elway when he got in the Hall of Fame selectors room and said, "Ladies and gentlemen, John Elway." Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. that was it. But you know, now I thought, but hey, we've seen it. We've seen it work for these guys. Let's. It may be annoying to some people in the Hall of Fame selection committee room, but let's keep pushing. Let's well, keep pushing Randy Gratishar. Let's push. Let's start pushing a Tom Nalen or a Rod Smith. Absolutely, and Mace. I think we're at the point where. Realistically, there's still going to be every single team still has players that they say should be on the Hall of Fame, right? But it was absurd <laughs> the the Broncos players and, and members of the organization that weren't in the Hall of Fame. But I think we're at the point now where that disrespect that the Hall of Fame's given the Broncos, they haven't done it the last couple of years. You have TD in, in 17, Champ and Pat last year. Um, of course, Steve this year, next year, Peyton, Demarcus Ware. I know he's you know mostly a cowboy, but still. He, I want to count that year he coached as the fourth season as a Bronco, even though he was part-time. Sure. Because I want to find a way to get him in the ring of fame because <laughs> I think he's that important he, to Broncos history. He was so important. And then, of course, probably many years down the line, you're going to have Von Miller in there. So finally, we can stop talking every time this comes around about how disrespectful the Broncos have been. Of course, we're still going to make pushes, but it's great that they're being recognized. They're finally being recognized and getting... They're not there because there's still guys that need to go in, but finally the NFL is seeing this this ta- this team in this cow town in Denver. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with the social media era, right? You can't ignore Denver anymore. It's not just a blip on the map. It, it, it's, a, it's a raucous fan base. It's a diehard group of fans. These people care a lot about their guys, and they're loud about it. And so, you know, shout out to the fans. Um, Maybe you don't need to, like, shame the voters and call them, you know, mean names. (laughs) But pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing online, it works. Make Changing your Twitter handle to Steve Atwater for Hall of Fame or – any of that stuff. Doing that on our website, thednvr.com. Exactly, on the podcast. All of that stuff matters, so uh, it's a team effort. And real quick, Mace, maybe you can offer a little bit of insight on this. Mm-hmm. Whose idea was it to bring Steve into uh, the Broncos and bring, give him more of a presence? Because I do think that also played a large role in this. He was back in the public eye, mm-hmm. and people got to see that might not have known how great Steve really is just as a person. It was massive. It was kind of a top-level thing. I know Joe Ellis was involved. I know Mac Freeman uh, in charge of the business side of the organization uh, was involved as well. It was kind of a matter of creating a role for Steve that fit him. And for the first couple of years, of course, it was kind of the daily hits on the radio in addition to some fan events. He doesn't have the radio anymore, but the Broncos still kind of push him out there, and they have him uh, on camera most mornings on their digital media as well. And they ha- and any appearance he's asked to do, like any radio station that wants him on, he'll pop on and talk. And it was just you know, kind of reminding, I hate to say it, it's kind of cliche, but reminding the world that Steve Atwater exists and has a great case for the Hall of Fame. And it helps that he has the personality that suits uh, 
the role being a manager of fan engagement because you know he's always been so wonderful with the public we all talked about like how you know our stories he makes everyone feel like the most important person around even though that person probably thinks oh steve atwater now a hall of famer big time bronco legend number 27 and but he makes you feel like you matter like you like you're important and um yeah, it's, I'm privileged to call him friend. He's really he's the best person I know. I mean, I try. I I think I'm a better man just for being around Steve Atwater so often and talking to him so often and you know and breaking bread with him. It's I, I it's again it's a little emotional for me, but uh, I couldn't be thrilled and I couldn't be more thrilled for him. I couldn't be more thrilled for Broncos country. And as this settle again, as this settles, like okay. Who's next? I want to. I want to push Randy over the line next. Yeah, and because I was in such a dark place that day when Randy Gratishar didn't get in. You may you can look back at my Twitter timeline and see I was I was in a very dark place when Randy didn't get in. Well, and and, that, and as bad as I felt that day, I feel elated right now for Steve. Yeah, and Steve is the perfect ambassador for the Atwater family, mm-hmm. for the Broncos, for the NFL. And uh, one of the things that just later that night put a smile on my face was after he was in, Steve Steve does a fantastic job at his job that he has with the Broncos now, but I thought, you know what, Steve, just retire now. You, you've done it. You, you've made it. And I'm not telling him to retire because he does a great job, but it's kind of like, you did it. You, you, you did it. Now do whatever you want. Now, and, and if it's his job, which I'm sure it is for for a while, but it's like... You're there. You've done it. But he'll do it from here. One thing that he has told me time and again is that he lived in Maryland for a while. He lived in Atlanta. on the So he was on the East Coast for much of his post-retirement career. But he and his wife came back to Denver because of all the places they'd lived. They realized that Denver was home. So whatever he does, this is going to be his home base. He's around his people in a community that loves him as much as he loves it. So whether he's the manager of a fan engagement or Hall of Fame ambassador or some combination thereof, he's Denver's treasure. And that's gonna it's going to be awesome for all of us to in Denver and Colorado to share this with Steve Atwater because the, the cool thing is he wants to share it with everybody. Absolutely. That's that's what's so awesome about it. He's not he is uh he's not selfish about this. He wants to share it with everybody. Mm-hmm. And he even said that yeah. after he got elected. He's like, I can't wait to celebrate with my Denver media friends. <laughs> yeah. That's so awesome. And he said, We're gonna celebrate big time. Oh yes we are. <laughs> I don't think there's gonna be a lot of Denver media back at training camp on the uh day that Steve Atwater gets in the Hall of Fame. Very true. I think mm. uh I think we're all. I think as many of us as possible are going to be out there in Canton, celebrating with him. It's going to be awesome. Um, all right, I say the first segment belongs to Steve Atwater. Let's leave it at that. Uh, but before we move on and and start getting to the questions, where I'm sure there will be even more Steve Atwater celebration uh, in the comments section. Quick shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Always great. I mean, this weekend you got 65 on Saturday, 70 yesterday. Not a better time to drink Strawberry Sky or really any 
Breck Brew, but that was what was on my mind uh, this weekend. It, it was a quick little taste of what's to come once summer finally comes around. And then, of course, it got thrown right around and went back to vanilla Porter Jr. weather. So no matter the weather, there's always a Breck Brew for you. And no matter the weather, there's always a green solution waiting for you. And, of course, they have 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest green solution for pickup and use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. All right, let's now jump into the questions and the comments from the loyal subscribers that we love so much. And quickly, I'm we're kind of caught in a little bit of a vicious cycle here. So today I'm putting my foot down. I'm putting an end to this. If you left a comment about the great Mahomes debate, we're skipping it today. And that is my call. If you're mad about it, you can be mad with me. You can DM me. We can hash it out in the DMs, whatever you want. But I'm trying to stop this ha- from happening because, it, it, understandably, it goes, we talk about it, you comment about it. We talk about it, you comment about it. You talk about it, you comment about it. And we will never get out of this if I don't put my foot down. So I think you're saving Zach from himself. I, I, uh, 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 not stop. from myself. That's enough. That's not enough. From, I'm not even going to mention his name. But you know what? Well, we it, can't talk about the Super Bowl without mentioning about, his we're name. We're going to talk about it. We're just not going to have that debate. We're not doing that debate today or... Anytime in the foreseeable future. So we're ready to have another debate about something I said. And the first one's coming in from Cleavers83. says, Zach, I'm with you on the ice cream cake debate. 75% of the way. Carvel is the undisputed champ in that realm, but ice cream cake as a whole is the best and only cake option for me. You know what? I'm, I will never... What is Never. Carvel? I have no idea. Okay. Carvel, it's a, it's a chain that makes ice cream cakes. Not in... They've been Colorado, they, right? They've been in Colorado in the past. They they've they're of a smaller scale than they used to be. Carvel used to be huge like back in the seventies and eighties. This is now this, it's more Dairy Queen. This is a oh, love Dairy Queen. Worked there. Uh this is a conversation I will never let you shut down, Ryan. Ice cream cake's delicious. I want to try this ice cream <laughs> cake that you were talking about because it sounds like something that would be up my alley. Real quick, one more thing about comments and questions and iTunes ratings and all that stuff. To lead guitar guy who left us a iTunes rating, who was upset with my use of the word freeloaders, talking about people who don't subscribe, I was, I meant that tongue in cheek. I wasn't actually <laughs> calling you that. Um, we love everyone who listens to this podcast, no matter what. And I also understand that not everyone is in a financial place to subscribe. It was totally a joke. I didn't mean that seriously. We love you. Next one here comes in from Crash, who also wants to talk about ice cream. He says, damn you, Ryan, trying to lose weight, and you had to mention the Georgia Mud Fudge Blizzard. Now I have to go get one. Uh, someone mentioned oatmeal. Next time you make some instant oatmeal, microwave it with a spoonful of peanut butter, then mix some Splenda in. Yum. Good. <laughs> now for my question. Do you see a draft of the Broncos take LaVisca over Ruggs if they're both there at 15? Also, if your answer is they take Ruggs, would it be a mistake to trade back in the first to get LaVisca too? Personally, no, I do not think that it is um, out of the question for the Broncos to view LaVisca over Ruggs. Obviously, Ruggs is the speedster. He is more of the completion to what you have as a receiving group. You've got the big guy. You've got your receiving tight end. And then if you add the speed guy, you're in a really good place. But I could see a scenario where the Broncos target speed and free agency. 
remember, as much as we love Henry Ruggs and that type of speed, speed receivers aren't impossible to find around. One guy who might be available is Marquise Goodwin. So I could see that. It's not out of the question. Uh, and don't forget, John Elway doesn't draft Alabama players, so that's an easy one there too. And don't don't forget, forget about Brashad Perryman if you're talking about speed receivers who might be available. He bombed out with the Ravens but found his form this past season with Tampa Bay. Of course, uh, they were in a situation where you had other receiving targets uh, Mike Evans, although he got hurt late, and uh, uh, Chris Godwin, who could take pressure off of him. But Brashad Perryman, with Cortland Sutton, if he were a Bronco, would be in a similar situation than he was in Tampa Bay with someone who was the alpha and wide receiver one. And don't forget just the connection that the Broncos have with CU. That's a huge reason why I'm not saying it's not possible for that to happen. Uh, very possible for that to happen. All right, next one's from Bronco in SF. Says, can't wait to see your mock draft, Mace. Dre's was interesting, and I love the idea of taking Werfs, but I don't see him dropping that far. To me, it's all about Jordan Love. Did you see enough from him at the Senior Bowl to go top 14, maybe to the Colts, and push someone down to us? Also, can you remind me of the 75 <laughs> story? All right, first of all, um, on Jordan Love, I don't have him as high as Dre did. I don't want to give away uh, what the mock draft has because I got to put a bow on that today but I don't have him that high I didn't see enough from Jordan Love to justify shoot on my board I wouldn't take him in the first round me either he, he is an incomplete puzzle who doesn't appear to quite have all the pieces maybe he can find them in time but there for Jordan Love there is just way too much projection that you have to do to see first round quarterback out of him so I, I'm I'm not a fan I, I also when I look at a Jordan Love playing at Utah State I also look at how he did against power five competition and he struggled so I, I I'm not a big Jordan Love fan Zach, I Zach, you guys want to say something before I go on to the 75 story? Oh, I was just going to say, uh, after that review of Jordan Love, he's definitely going top 14. <laughs> <laughs> but I, look, I wouldn't even could. go as far to say yeah. Jordan-like. I'm Jordan-meh. Oh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't touch him with a 10-foot uh, vacuum, vacuum tube. tube. But it's possibly goes high. Look, we're in, an, we're in an era in the last decade where we have seen Christian Ponder go in the first 12 picks. I'm still pondering that one. We've seen EJ physical tools. EJ Manuel be a first round pick. Yes. Jake Locker was a first round pick. Still locked on that one. They would have been better off going auto pick than Manuel. <laughs> I mean, Drew Drew Locke looks like a steal considering that you got him in the second. That that will I, be a perplexing thing for people for a long long time. I mean, I thought Drew Locke was kind of borderline one and two last year, but Jordan Love on that standard, to me, I, I look at him and on my personal board, he's round three. The, the crazy thing about Drew Locke is there's nothing you can really point to. I realize there's inconsistencies here and there and that sort of stuff in his college shape, but usually when someone falls out of the first round, it's like, oh, well, he had that off the field thing, or oh, he's too short. Or, oh, this or that. It's like the physical stuff was all there, and the off-the-field stuff checked out perfectly. I truly think for years we're going to see people roasting evaluations and other things that had Drew Locke falling to the second round because there is 
really not a good reason why it happened. I, I actually got a little bit of info on that this weekend, and one of the things that people did not like was the drop-off from his junior year to his senior year, uh, both in tape and numbers-wise. <laughs> and to me, I mean, he, he had the most touchdown passes in college football his junior year. I guess evaluators were expecting him to have an even better year with the new coordinator. And the problem with talking about the quote-unquote drop-off there is you're saying, okay, he struggled early, but then the second half of that season as a senior in 2018, he played the most efficient ball of his time at Mizzou. Also, you can expect thing you can expect things to change when you're constantly changing offenses, and that's something that worries me a little bit about what the Broncos are doing. Hopefully, this is the last time he has to do that for a long time. But it's, everything is not as simple as just oh, change the offense. The quarterback fits perfectly one year. That's all it takes, and they just go, go, go. But I think the key for Locke is at least they're not changing the language. They're changing aspects of the offense but he doesn't have to learn from scratch he just has they're just going to throw some new concepts in there but he doesn't have to process a new language a new play calling language and I think that's going to make this transition smoother than perhaps a lot of people nationwide expect next one wait I got oh right the 75 story all right the 75 story well it goes back to Steve Atwater the topic of today's podcast because in 2018 on the old radio station, Orange and Blue 760, we're on Radio Row. And Kyle Turley, former NFL offensive lineman, comes by, and Steve casually mentions to Ryan Edwards and myself, hey, we made a movie together. And we're like, what? Huh? You made a movie? Understand this. I mean, when St- if Steve Atwater tells you he made a movie, that doesn't that just sound like the coolest thing of all time to you? Oh, yeah. yes. Now, as he tells the story, we found we find out it was a relatively low-budget slasher film called that was first called Seventy-Five because there's you know there of course like all slasher films a lot of people get killed and one of the things that sets it up is playing this game on the phone called Seventy-Five where you random call someone and then you have to basically sell it and keep that person on the phone for 75 seconds. Of course, at various points, they call the wrong person and blood and gore ensue, as this is nature nature of slasher films. Steve Atwater, he la- he kind of laughs about it. The movie did, did not make any money. He refers to his investment as a producer as a donation. <laughs> but he wasn't the only ex-Bronco involved. Ray Crockett, a teammate of his on those Super Bowl teams in the 1990s, also was involved in producing and was on camera, had a speaking role in the movie. So on the radio station, we did an hour where we kind of did a dead tone commentary, and Steve's like, man, you guys are tripping. Ray Crockett comes on, happily discusses his scene, what he was thinking in terms of the acting, because he plays an investigator who is very professional, and the name actor in the movie, the late Rutger Hauer, He's also playing an investigator, but he's not even wearing any gloves, and so he walks up to the blood-spattered doorknob and turns it with his hand. You know, Rutger <laughs> Howard didn't prepare for his role, but Ray Crockett did. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's it, it's a, you can get it for like two ninety nine on iTunes, the movie. We encouraged people, and I still encourage people to purchase the movie and help Steve try to make his donation back <laughs> all these years later. But, there, but, but the game of 75... It's suggested that they play this game at a at a college uh, party, 
And this guy's like, I got a better game. And then you hear him slam the speakerphone down on a table and say, 75. <laughs> and so every time the number came up on the radio, Ryan Edwards and I would always say it that way. And people call it on. I know a lot of you listeners have followed us, uh, followed over to this podcast. And uh, we've kept it alive. And Steve kind of shakes his head every time I say, you know what? Between the podcast, between KOA, people keep learning about this. And now they do it. Even my daughter does 75 that way. So <laughs> I love it. The yeah. only thing that could have made it better is if you needed 75% of the vote to get into the Hall of Fame. But you need 80. <laughs> for, for basic, Larry Walker needed 75. Yeah. <laughs> Next one coming in from Bat Soup and just shout out to Polish Filipino. I love you. Bat Soup says, <laughs> I recently joined the DNVR family during a five month long work trip in Switzerland. I spent the majority of my free time by myself as I didn't speak the language and didn't know many people. But I listened to every one of your podcasts and they made me feel that much closer to home. I've been hooked ever since. Love to hear that. No question for me today, but I want to send a shout out to all the Broncos fans in Europe. The late afternoon games air at 1 a.m. Monday. Needless to say, Mondays were rough. And of course, a special shout out to the three best potters in the biz. Mace, the human computer, RK, the homie, and Zach. Oh, that's not what he said. Much love, guys, and happy to be part of the family. Um, love you, except for your name, which is disgusting. And Thick Fangio says, welcome to the fam. But I think being next to you in the comments section gave me coronavirus. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Uh, next one is from Thick Fangio. He says, anyone want know where I can find this porridge? I don't know what gruel is, but I'm all about thicker cousins. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. Um, also, since the closed topic has been reopened, I thought this was something else, Cliff Bars can be eaten at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Sure, they're not themselves a meal, but I can make the same argument about PB&J. A banana can be eaten at any time of the day, too. Banana is an interesting one. But it's it's like an all-day snack. Right, and kind of like a Cliff Bar, right? And I think that's what some people are alleging about pe- peanut butter and jelly, which I do understand. Orange orange would be like banana, too. Yeah. All-day snack. Apple. I, for some reason, I never feel the, the urge to eat an orange. Are you eating the wrong oranges? I yeah. also never feel the urge to eat an apple. We just had some oranges uh, shipped in from Florida. My parents were nice oh. enough to send us some fresh oranges and... Uh, RK, you're letting one of the great pleasures in life pass you by. <laughs> I like mandarin oranges. Oh, the tiny ones? And also clementines. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep, but the smaller the Just better. like a regular old orange just doesn't, it doesn't get me going. <laughs> doesn't get me going. Neither does apples. Um, bananas well, do. I'll, I'll be like, mm, the problem with ap- right now. The problem with apples is the most popular apple in this country right now is the Red Delicious. Which is it doesn't sound mealy good. and terrible. Oh, you can't have mealy. We were talking about this over the weekend. You got to have a crunch to the yes. apple. What? So, what's your favorite type of apple? Oh, well, sometimes you know what? I used to hate Granny Smiths because they have a little tartness to them, but I like how crisp and tart they are now. It's some, it's a taste that I've evolved to appreciate. The tartar, the better, and that's why I think I like the mandarin oranges because they they can be a yeah. little sour. Yep, for sure. Um, he goes on. And says, I'm sure there will be many comments, so an easy <laughs> question for you. Who do you think will be the quarterback at, oh, in Las Vegas and Los Angeles next season? Thanks, and uh, thanks, y'all, and by the time you're reading this, the Niners have already won. Mm. Unfortunately not. Well, what's interesting is the, the misdirection and uh, 
guessing game on Tom Brady is going to probably dominate the NFL news cycle for the next six weeks or so. And if you were going by this weekend, there was some buzz that uh, Las Vegas mm-hmm. was going to be the most likely destination for Tom Brady. They totally should have put next year's Super Bowl in Las Vegas because it's Super Bowl LV. Dang. That would have been perfect. And then it could have been sponsored by Louis Vuitton. The problem (laughs) is when they chose Super Bowl LV, had Vegas emerged yet? But it it just would have been so perfect. And also, once it's ready, just put every Super Bowl in Vegas. (laughs) That's my assertion. I don't think really anyone would complain about that. Yeah, or alternate between Vegas and New Orleans. So each side of the country has one. <laughs> so Miami's out, Tampa's out. Too far. LA's out. So I have a question for you guys. If you're a Raiders fan, would you want Derek Carr next year or Tom Brady? Uh, Tom Brady. Okay, I would as well. Tom Brady gives you hope of something bigger. <laughs> I agree. And that's, I had to ask you because you're not a Tom Brady guy at this point in his career, which I understand. Yeah. But I would want Tom you, Brady as like, well. Like, you know you're not getting there with Derek Carr. Right. And Tom Brady, in my opinion, does give you a shot. And does Tom Brady want to learn the West Coast nomenclature at this point in his football life, though? That's uh, that the fascinating thing that's going on there because I don't think John Gruden is going to change his verbiage. Once I saw that the Patriots might be willing to pay him $30 million. I thought, okay, he's going back. It's game over. I mean, he's he's going back there. A lot 30, of twists and turns this weekend 30 with that. Million? Please do, honestly. Oh, yeah. I Because, I, honestly, I think that they would have a better chance of success next year with an Andy Dalton than oh, Tom Brady. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, why would you pay $30 million? So, if you're the Patriots, you wouldn't pay him $30 million. No. I would. Nowhere close. No. I would. I would offer him 20 tops. Wow. So that, if you're the Raiders, would you only offer him 20 tops? Because then you know you're not getting him. Uh, well, no. If you want him, you're going to have to back it up. If, if, the Patri- if I were the Patriots, I'd be offering, like, a, if you just want to stay around, we're not going to kick you out. <laughs> so you can sleep on the couch, but I have to be at work in the morning, so you're going to have to leave early. Now, Nevada does not have state income tax, correct? I don't believe Not so. a Ryan question. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Massachusetts has... A flat income tax rate of 5.05%. So let's just say that the Raiders and Patriots are both offering him $30 million. Well, you know, five, you know, 5% of 30 million is just is 1.5 million. So if, if anything, the Patriots to match what the Raiders could offer would have to offer a little more than $1.5 million more if the Raiders give him a $30 million a year offer. The interesting part is that Tom has moved, and uh, maybe that was just all in the plan to get the Patriots to pay him $30 million, or maybe he really is done with them. What if the Giants, maybe Dave Gettleman believes in Daniel Jones, but what if the coaching staff doesn't? And, of course, Joe Judge is coming from New England. And Tom Brady, he moved to Connecticut, right? Yep. He's, like, in Fairfield County. Yeah which is in the New York metropolitan area. It's mm-hmm. funny that um, Tom Brady lives in a place called Fairfield as a cheater. <laughs> he hasn't been playing on a fair field in a long time. <laughs> Anyways, I think it's a, it's a pretty good chance he's going back. I think the only, 
I don't know. Maybe he wants out. But to me, it's always felt like it was going to be a mutual separation or he was coming back. So if he go, let's say he goes back to New England, who's the Raiders quarterback next year? Derek Carr. I'm going to go with James. I'm going with James Winston. Oof, don't like that. And I think the Chargers, if the Chargers do not get Tom Brady, they're going for Briggs quarterback, which they may already have on hand in Tyrod Taylor. Bridge oh, yeah. to whatever young guy they draft, likely Justin Herbert. See if they try to make a move up for Tua as well. I hope they don't, but mainly, that, mainly that's because Justin Herbert doesn't scare me, but Tua scares me from a Bronco perspective. I agree. Is Jameis going to want to – I mean, he's going to take what he can get, but like Jameis learning the West Coast, is that a good fit? Learning you know, the mental part of the game – as kind of came out from his work at the whiteboard uh, leading into the draft back in 2015, learning a scheme, learning a language, that's never been an issue for James. Yeah, Winston. I've actually heard that. Um, He's incredibly that football. Smart. People think he has an insane football IQ. He does. That's a, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Just I, because his decision making right. is so poor. I've heard his On fo- the field. I've yeah, that, heard yeah. his and off the field. His football IQ in terms of learning a system and being able to process it. Is comparable to Peyton Manning's, That's from what I've been, <laughs> from a, what a couple of people have told me. All right, you got the next one there, man. Yes, because it's our friend the count. Sliced bread, sliced bread. Whatever sub kept mentioning sliced bread, and this goes for all you other phrase slingers, needs to understand that sliced freaking bread is a hoax. Just buy a bread knife and cut it yourself. Why would you pay someone else a premium to slice your own bread? It's very, very easy. And not only that, if you cut it yourself, you get to adjust the thickness based on what type of sando you are making. The thickness of a slice of bread can make or break a lunch. Am I wrong? Love yes. the count. <laughs> and then Bronco Duck replies, yes, I will pay for convenience in this department. There are some good sliced bread options out there. Much love count you know was what this a reference to something or just a regular take <laughs> i don't you know what it's a good question <laughs> <laughs> look may we say the best thing since sliced bread we hear that all the time right yes didn't it come up during a super bowl commercial last night i think it did yes Here, uh, slight there are times when you like to have a nice good old loaf of bread and you can slice like maybe like a big old loaf of sourdough and you or can french slice it. french bread is great yep. i want i want to slice a loaf of french bread yes but in terms of your everyday bread when you get the loaf that's soft and yes. you try to cut that i think you're hosed right you're like squeezing it and squishing mm-hmm. it and then yeah it comes out and there's just finger marks all <laughs> yeah. over no. you have to have the right <laughs> knife as well i mean if you don't have a good serrated edge knife we wish to cut a bread loaf, you're fried. That's it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. Like sometimes it's just you. You're making PB and J. You gotta slice the bread. The whole point of PB and J is you just whip out two slices, <laughs> spread it up, and you're good to go. But I do understand the uh, allure of like a good old, you know, fresh loaf. Yep. Yep, exactly. Next one coming in from Missouri Bronco. We're just going straight to point two here. On Apple Podcasts, it shows an incorrect picture of Mace as a guest, and it also has Pat Shermer as a guest of the podcast. Just thought you guys would like to know if you can control those things. Thought it was funny. By the way, I I love the part of Missouri Bronco's comment that you didn't read. I got to give you a shout out for that. Thank you. Real quick, one, Andrew Mason is apparently a... 
C or D list actor. <laughs> yes. Um, maybe F list. That that hey, that's something. Maybe they should have put me in Dead Tone. Yes, they should. I should have had Rutger Hauer's role. Uh, and so we. And the other thing is, we have no control over that. I assume it's some sort of thing that Apple is testing out as like their version of like facial recognition technology. Right. I just I don't understand what it's using. Because, like, my name is in the description of the pod every day, so it's not based off of that. Have we, I mean, I know we've talked about Pat Shermer, but it's, we've talked about so many more people. (laughs) Drew Locke? (laughs) Yes, he should be the host of this podcast. Actually, I do think at one point Drew Locke was listed (laughs) on there. (laughs) That's amazing. Uh, One time I put Adam Mares on there. Yep. Who he's never been on this podcast, no. although maybe he should be. Um, so, would, anyways, yeah. we have no control over that. I have no idea what type of technology they're using to try and figure that out. Especially because if they have a picture of an Andrew Mason, I would get if they grabbed an image of the, the old Groupon guy. Unfamiliar. Groupon CEO was named Andrew Mason. Oh, oh really? Yes. How about that? I would get it if they had him by mistake, but this is that guy. I don't know who the heck he is. It, look, it looks like a stock photo. Oh, yeah. It does look oh, like yeah. a stock photo. <laughs> All right. Um, Count Locula yeah. quickly chimes in. Uppercut story as read by Mace was incredible. Love the count. And then Swedish Bronco chimes in and says, I'd really like to expand my cooking game. Uh, you got anything else except green chili that's quality Colorado food I could try making? Any good American recipe site with Colorado recipes? Hmm. As much as I love Colorado's culture and everything about it, that's one place where we're a little bit lacking. Is specific food. Right. Yeah. Like you said, we've talked a lot about green chili. That's our go-to. You don't go to a restaurant that says Colorado cuisine. Right. Ever. No. But you go to a restaurant. Colorado Mountain Pie. Hey, But you go to, there are restaurants that are New Mexican cuisine. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yes. Um. But and that's true of a lot of states. Do you know any restaurant that sells cuisine from Virginia or cuisine or Kansan cuisine? I've had a Virginian sandwich. Virginia ham. Yes. But it's not a, you know, do you know, I mean, is there a restaurant that sells uh, the cuisine from the great state of Ohio? No. Skyline mm. Chili? Is that Ohio? Yes. A certain part of Ohio. But that's Cincinnati. like their one thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Right, yeah, I don't think it's a knock on Colorado. No, it's like not. Like a big-time no. knock. But but one it's... thing I will say is a lot of people refer to Chipotle as a quote-unquote California-style burrito. As we learned once on here, a California-style burrito has fries in it. Yep. So I think technically, because Chipotle and Illegal Pete's both started here in Colorado, I think we can claim those burritos. Well, wait a second, mm. though. I think, is it California-style, specifically the Mission-style burrito, as in the Mission District of San Francisco? I don't believe that has fries in it, and that's what it's impersonating. That's is what it, it's invoking. Is it specifically like a San Diego burrito that has the fries? No, I think that's called the California-style. Okay. But it's, like, it's more Southern California, I believe. Yes. Yeah, whereas specifically the burrito that, Chipotle, Qdoba, Illegal Pete's, what they were mimicking and taking to the masses is called the Mission Style Burrito, which is from San Francisco. Yeah, I'm claiming it. Since my university (laughs) rarely gets shout-outs on this pod, shout-out to DU. That is where the Chipotle was founded. I believe it Never was heard by of some the place you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> by some students, and uh, the first one is right by there. But what I'll say, do not go to the first Chipotle ever. 
Done. Why, why are we not going to the first Chipotle ever? Because it's not. No, he's talking about Chipotle. It's an Asian restaurant. <laughs> Chipotle. <laughs> is oh, that oh, better? Okay. Uh, never, never go to the first one because it's different than every other Chipotle out there. Is that a problem? Is that a Italian you restaurant? How, you Chipotle. Know how, <laughs> you know how you walk down the line? Yeah. Yes. You don't walk down a line at this one. What? Is that bizarre? And it's the first one. So you just order something and they just make it and give it the to you? The line goes the other way. So like the employees walk away from you <laughs> as they build your burrito. And it's different than every single other one I've ever been to. Well, so you thing, don't yeah. go right. with them. Nope. Nope. You just stand there and they walk away from you as they build your burrito. That's odd. <laughs> I don't know why they haven't changed that. There are some Colorado cookbooks that I was just doing a quick search for on Google. I now I'm not going to sit here and uh, advocate for the quality of them, but there are some Colorado cookbooks. I'm trying to think of like, like I said, you got the Colorado Mountain Pie, you got Honey on Crust. That's a Colorado thing. <laughs> you got green chili on everything, and also green chili as a dish. I can't think of anything else. You can probably get all of those at one place too. You can probably get all of those bojos. Although I'd never had elk before I came to Colorado. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm. Something that we like to yeah, incorporate. Like mountain meat. I yeah. had this <laughs> mountain meat. Uh, <laughs> I had this elk steak at this restaurant in um, Steamboat. That legitimately, it's one of those meals that you just think about sometimes when you're hungry. You're like, oh man, I could really go for that elk steak. Keto friendly too. Very keto friendly. It was like seared. Oh my god, it was so good. Oh, on a steak, if you get it crispy on the outside. Mm. Mm. This this. It was life-changing, honestly. <laughs> All right, next one's from Iceman. He says, hey, friends. San Fran, 42. Kansas City, 41. Mm, nope. 17 plays like T.O. No. In Philly's McNabb Super Bowl and has three TDs and finally wins a ring. Emmanuel Sanders is my MVP. Well, oh, man. Close. Sanders he had the been. opportunity if if Jimmy Garoppolo was on target on that post route, because just a great job by Emmanuel Sanders to split the defenders and get open down the field. There it was, that ball hanging in the air. Emmanuel Sanders passed the defenders. And boy, Emmanuel, did you see his press conference after the game? Yes, I, I just was saw completely the head- and utterly <laughs> shocked. <laughs> by the way, Emmanuel Sanders was acting in a tough time. All I saw was that he did not want to talk to media. What, what, ha- what was it like? He just kept saying, like, dumb question, stupid mm. question. Oh, actually. Yeah. And then just, uh, look, I get it. It's a hard time. Um, and everyone reacts differently to different situations. But he, know, he the re- truest of true pros can handle it and, and take the heat for 10 minutes and then go on with their life. Here's the thing. He does get paid millions of dollars, and this is part of his job description. It's yep. part of what he needs to do. Yep. And the other thing for Emmanuel Sanders. And, and yeah. Real quick. Go ahead. Um, Cam Newton got dragged into oblivion for acting this way. <laughs> yeah. So, again. When Emmanuel know, was on the other side. Right, and Emmanuel was on the other <laughs> side. And a couple of things with Cam. Number one, they do a better job now of separating the teams in post-game presence. <laughs> a big part of that was that Cam could overhear what Chris Harris Jr. was saying. Which is was it? uncovered famously yep. by Brandon Spano, yes. and then we were the first ones to put out an article talking about it. And it was a ter- and that's a terrible setup on the NFL's oh, it's part. so it's bad. Hilarious. So, <laughs> pure comedy. The other thing, and I was thinking about this with Emmanuel Sanders this morning, he, we've seen here, he does not handle, in terms of his public uh, comments, does not handle subpar quarterbacking well. No, so, 
And this is what teams are going to are going to look at Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, does does and does he really want to go to a team where the quarterback? Is, I'm just just toss a hypothetical out there. Will Emmanuel Sanders be willing to go to a team where the quarterback is Jameis Winston or Andy Dalton? I'm sure he's willing to go there if they back up the money for him. The problem is that as soon as they miss him and as right. soon as things don't start going pretty, it's going to get ugly. Here's the thing with Jameis. That, he could be fine there because, hey, get me my 1,000 and 10 touchdowns. Don't really care if you have those interceptions But just watch Emmanuel's reaction if he's open and Jameis doesn't throw it to him and the ball is picked off. Right, right. I mean, honestly, if Jameis Winston and Emmanuel Sanders are on the same team and Jameis remains a fountain of interceptions – if I'm producing a broadcast, I say, I want you to ISO camera on Sanders. The question is, how many catches does he have at this point? Because if he has right. seven catches for 75 yards and that happens, he's like, oh, that's fine. Well, James, I'm still probably going to get 100. Jameis has, what, 5,000 yards a couple times, right? 5,000 yards a season and 30 touchdowns. So if 10 of them do a manual and maybe 1,500 or two a manual. When the, when the Raiders, let's say, who have Jameis lose um, 28 to 35 – and uh, Emmanuel had 10 catches for 114 yards and two touchdowns. He, they're gonna, those reporters are going to have a great time in oh, the yeah. locker room <laughs> oh, talking yeah. to Emmanuel. <laughs> One of the only people that they'll enjoy talking to. Um, okay, you mentioned poor quarterbacking play, and I, this is my Super Bowl take, so I'm going to uh, now better than ever. The Niners had him. They just didn't have a good enough quarterback. I mean, they that was why they lost the game. The defense – was admirable for almost the entire game. They had him. Jimmy G wasn't good enough to get it done. And that's, to me, that is what, it's that plain and simple. They have, what, a $4.2 million out on Jimmy's contract? <laughs> yeah. I mean, There's I don't no know. Way. Look, I don't know. They would, I don't think they'd do that. But there are some. Take some cojones, but I'd agree with it. There are some fans out there in the Bay Area who today are saying, why don't we bring Tom Brady back back home? <laughs> so who'd you rather have? Oh, I'd take Jimmy G. I would I'd take, take, I'd take Jimmy G. I know who you'd take. I would take Tom, but that's, that, <laughs> that is very much the short-term view, obviously. But Jimmy G's not the- If Jimmy G doesn't, if you don't think Jimmy G has it, you think Tom Brady has it maybe to a very lesser extent than he has had it, but why would you not do that? It, clearly, this team is a Super Bowl team or has a Super Bowl window right now. Yeah, it's true. I, but when I watched Jimmy G and his deficiencies, they remind me exactly of late stage Tom Brady. But Tom Brady put the ball where it needed to be and to Gronk in last year's Super Bowl. Yep. Tom yep. Brady wasn't great in that Super Bowl, of course not. But he did what needed to be done. And Jimmy, that Emmanuel Sanders pass would have been like the equivalent. Who's Jim, more a product of the system, Jimmy G or Jared Goff? Because this is two years in a row in very similar schemes where. The quarterback that was productive all year did not rise to the occasion of the big moment. I just feel like you can look at quarterbacks and just – I mean, this is what I said at the very beginning of the playoffs. I know I took San Francisco in this game, but I said at the very beginning of the playoffs, I don't believe in Jimmy G to to take him all the way. And I changed my take because I wanted to will it into existence. But it's – you. I feel like you can look at a guy and know – like, is that guy good enough to win a Super Bowl? And Jimmy G is not. Who's and so if I'm Kyle Shanahan, did you see the frustration in his eyes when he missed that pass to Emmanuel? Yeah. 
they knew that was the shot. That that's, was that, oh, yeah. that was a thing, and that's what Kyle that's not Shan- a, like my yeah. guy just yeah. didn't make the pass. That's like a gosh dang it, my my quarterback is limited and he's going to cost me a Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan, he's taking a lot of heat today. Of course, we know As he what happened. Yeah, and yeah. he should because the when the play calling on the on the the three and out drive that they had between Chiefs touchdowns. That was it. Was reminiscent of the Falcons yes. Super Bowl. I tweeted it out. I said a little too aggressive. They have to. Well, it was too aggressive, but I, I'm not really. Uh, it is, the Chiefs were going to score if you gave them a minute and thirty, or you gave them five minutes. In my opinion, so that's why I tweeted out right before the drive. They have to approach this drive as if they're losing the game. And honestly, like they couldn't have done it from where they did. But if they had a fourth down at their own forty-five. And short, I would have been encouraging them to go for it. Yep. Like, yes. You have two options here. There's three options. Run out the clock, because there was like six minutes left when they got the ball. Run out the clock, score a touchdown, or lose the game. Those were my, that was, it was so clear to me what was going to happen then. And I realized they couldn't do it because I think they had fourth and eight yeah. from their own 25. Like, you, you got a punt, unfortunately. But I was looking at that and I'm like, they, there's only three things that happen here. You score a touchdown and win, you kick a field goal and lose, you, uh, Run out the clock and win, or you punt the ball and lose. What was their per carry average yesterday? Which team? 49ers. The 49ers, 6.4 yards <laughs> per carry. Okay. God. You know what that tells me? Run it three you times. Run, you run the ball until they figure out how to stop it. Yep. I mean, In that some... situation, you keep you, you keep pounding with, with, with Raheem Mostert you, and Tevin Coleman. You do it until they figure it out. But um, even Teron Matthews said after the game, like, we were so thankful they stopped running the ball. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like, dude – but, but this I is what happened believe, with Atlanta, though. I still though. believe you, your quarterback has to be able to get it done for you. He has George Kittle wide open on second and third down on that drive. He missed them both times. And that's why I, they're both culpable in this. But that pass to Emmanuel Sanders, that could have bailed them out. And One big play. I hate One the, play for glory. I, I, I thought back to how when... Peyton Manning was in his last season, and we know that while the mind was still there, he didn't have a lot left physically. But remember against Cleveland, he's playing a bad game. In the fourth quarter, Emmanuel gets open beyond coverage, and Peyton throws a strike that hits Emmanuel in stride on the sideline for a touchdown. And that's the difference between a Peyton Manning and a Jimmy Garoppolo. Right, right. Well, and then how about speaking Kyle Shanahan and and the heat that he's getting – at the end of the first half, when he doesn't take a timeout, and then they pan up to John Lynch, and John's going, oh. timeout, in my head. I'm like, oh, my god!" And then he said gosh. he was happy to go into the half 10-10. You can't coach with fear in that scenario. So, you got to go for it. You, if you're 13-3, and three, have some confidence but, in yourself. Don't fear what the other team does because you've accomplished a hell of a lot to get here. You bet on yourself. I, actually, I hated that. I actually agreed with it. Uh, no. I'm a big no. aggression yeah, guy. Yeah, who are you now? I'm a big aggression guy. I felt in that moment of the game, they did have a win to be at 10-10. And I also they had the opportunity for a two-for-one. Hold on. I also believed that they were getting the ball back, so they, so they weren't going to lose their momentum. They, they were able to keep the momentum. They had tied it up 10-10. They were down. And they were able to keep momentum going into the half. While I want to say you should just go for it, people are saying he doesn't believe in Jimmy G. 
Me either. I don't believe in Jimmy G. So you throw two two incompletions and you come up short and you give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes and now you're down 17-10 or at least 13-10. And you get, get the ball back in the second half and a chance to undo that. I get it. I get the uh, the idea of wanting to be aggressive and I am almost always on that train. I just, in the moment, before the drive, I was thinking, oh man, they're going to try, they're going to take a timeout and they're going to try and go for this thing and it's going to bite them. And so then when he did it, I was like, oh, I think he has that same gut feeling as I do. My one problem with that, Ryan, and it's kind of your philosophy is you want to always be the same. You always want to be aggressive. You always want to be conservative. And I feel like Kyle Shanahan's pretty much always on the aggressive type. So it just it, it caught me by surprise. I'm not going to lie. But this was, um, you know, sometimes in big games, you notice it more in hockey where it's a big game and neither team wants to take a risk and it's like the 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 defense doesn't want to pinch in and try and score early on in like game seven of the stanley cup finals because no one wants to be the guy who blew it and we can crush kyle shanahan for that but let's not forget andy reed didn't call a timeout after he ran it on first down so even andy reed was feeling a little bit of jitters because i thought as soon as kyle shanahan waved the white flag Andy Reid should have said, ooh, blood in the water. Timeout. Instantly. Okay, now I'm going to force you to make a play that you don't want to make to not give us the ball back. Yeah, both coaches were more conservative than I would have thought. I mean, I, I don't remember what point of the game it was. At some point in the second quarter, I said, the Chiefs haven't thrown the ball deep, deep. yet. Patrick yep. Mahomes hasn't done And I understand he wasn't going to do that all the time because the pressure was still there. But I've seen so many times, just in this playoffs, where the, the pressure is there and Mahomes is still going deep. And we didn't see that. Yeah, it was uh, that clearly their game plan was in the middle of the field uh, and in the short areas. Really quick on this game, what did you guys think of the little flip de doo play where the the Chiefs all did the circle? Loved it. <laughs> I thought it was dumb until I, was I so heard uh, Eric Bieniemy after say they ripped it from the 1948 Rose Bowl, and I was like, "Wow, you got to be some student of the game oh to know my. about a play that happened in the 1948 Rose Bowl." Oh my god! It's what they do. It, they're dynamic. I thought it was brilliant. It was. <laughs> It's the, just the so point, funny. I mean, the, I, I think the point of it is to make the defense not realize that you've shifted so that Patrick Mahomes isn't under center because they're just they're spinning and you and you don't realize that they shifted and all of a sudden they're direct snapping it, which in the end is kind of genius. Well, you you make them think, and that makes the defense hesitate Pause. just a little bit. Yep. You, just a split-second hesitation is all that the Chiefs need. And anything that they can do to – get the defense to pause a bit, it's a win for them. So they're going to keep – that's why when, you, when you're when you going against the Chiefs, you have to kind of caution yourself to not to not get too caught up in what they do pre-snap because if you do, they've beaten you before the snap. I hope coaches look at this game and realize that when you have fourth and one on the other side of the 50, you go for it. Andy Reid, a lot of people don't know this. As great as Patrick Mahomes is, as great as that offense is, they went for it on fourth down less than anyone in the NFL this year. But when push came to shove in the biggest game of the year, he said, we're not giving them the ball back. And I love that. Yep, I do too. All right, next one here is from Bronco Duck. He says 31-21 Niners. Close on the score. Yeah. One point. Just wrong teams. Yeah. Uh, I just think San, San, Fran, San Fran's defense does enough to shut down this prolific offense, which they did. With two weeks prep, additionally, I can't help but think Elway's going to go defense with the first-round pick. Best way to beat the Chiefs? Pressure, pressure, pressure. Elway picks Kinlaw or Espinessa. Just my feeling. 
go Broncos, and this week only go Niners. So this is an interesting thing because without diving into this topic, I thought that the 49ers showed last night that Patrick Mahomes is human, and they were able to make him have a pretty bad game other than one quarter based off of what my prediction was, four-man pressure. Right now, the Broncos do not have the ability to create four-man pressure. Do they look at that and say, that's the best chance we have, and we're going to have a better offense, or we're going to have a better quarterback than Jimmy G. Let's start doubling down on creating pressure without blitzing. What do the How many first-round picks do the Niners have on their Four. line? Four. But one of them, Solomon Thomas, isn't exactly but a But still, it, it's talking about the investment that they put in the offensive line. Solomon Thomas, a third overall pick, and yeah, he's a bust for that, of course. But that investment that they have is huge. Right now, the Broncos have a pretty good investment. Two top five picks. And Derek Wolf, if they re-sign him, a second-round pick. Of course, their first pick, but I'm not going to include Derek. If they use a first-round pick on a defensive lineman in the first round, then they're only one pick uh, or one first round pick away. And that, that is building it like the 49ers and Maybe they get did. Chris Jones and a first round pick on the right. Interior. I think, I, I think if they get a Chris Jones or a, a Eric Armstead, then I think you're looking in other directions. I agree too, because, but I'm just saying, because if what you I wanted think, to, yeah. to go all in on this, you can. Cause what I think last night proved now, you you know, if Drew Locke is better than Jimmy Garoppolo, that's great. But it proves that you not only need the four-man rush, but you also need the offense that can go punch for punch with what the Chiefs dole out. And in the end, the 49ers did not have that. Now, could Drew Locke be better than Jimmy Garoppolo? Absolutely. And let's assume he is. Well, you've still got to build up other areas of the offense. You've still got to get more explosion from the wide receiver position and you need to build up the offensive line. So I think if you can take care of some of the defensive needs in free agency in a very deep offensive line class in this year's draft, that still has to be your point of emphasis. Mesa, it's a great point because Patrick Mahomes, first three quarters, did not look good. And I was questioning, is he going to be able to break out like he has every single game of his career when he's been slowed down initially? And, of course, after a first quarter uh, that was low in a, in a first half where they only have 10 points, I s- still felt very confident in that, okay, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is still going to break out. And then the fourth quarter rolls around midway through the fourth quarter. I'm going, oh, my gosh, is this the game where – not that he gets broken by any means for the rest of his career, but is this the game where he is stopped – and then, no, I mean, 21 points. And I know it wasn't just Patrick Mahomes that did that, but 21 points mm-hmm. in six minutes. Okay, 14 points in the last yep. six minutes of a Super yep. Bowl. You can't deny that. And, the, and, and, that, and yeah. it shows you it shows you exactly what you were talking about, yeah. Mace, is you have to have the firepower for, let's say you do build that great defense to control him. He's still going to go off for 14 to 21 points in a quarter when you play him, you have to have that counterpunch. Two totally. things. Number one, John Elway, he did that quite a bit when he played, too. You'd, oh, yeah. You'd think that. you'd have him corralled, and then when you had the highest leverage situation, you, he punches you, and that's it. Number two, the third and 15. God. They what have a theme. A th- what a theme. We've been talking about, gosh dang, Patrick Mahomes in third and 15 all year. He's better when he's in third and And long. the Niners, they had a good rush. 
Yep. That's they, like they you, you want to talk they, about yeah. the the offsides last year for the Chiefs. It's like the Niners were two inches away from getting a hand on his arm and winning the Super Bowl potentially. Like right. game of inches certainly came up last. And night. literally, there's only one quarterback in the game who can do that and that, that can keep fading back, keep fading back, elude that rush, and still uncork a ball that went, I believe, 61 yards in the air. I think there's a guy. In this city, who can do that same throw? I don't know. I think I think Patrick Mahomes. I think every other quarterback, every coach is saying, "Do not go back. Do not run backward like Patrick Mahomes does." I I do think he's the only quarterback. But that I can also do think that. Drew Locke can throw it sixty-one yards off his back foot to a wide-open receiver. But I don't think we're going to see Drew Locke make the type of plays Patrick Mahomes does in terms of running backwards. And I think every other coach, and including with Drew Locke, I don't think we'll see that. Yeah, but the I know what you mean thing, about the arm strength. The interesting thing for Mahomes is his weapons are so good that he knows if all I have to do is just create a little bit of extra time and one of them is going to come open and I'm good enough to throw it to them. But it it's it's just an interesting thought. Do the Broncos do the Broncos decide we'll get to the offense later, but our but our best chance is to get pressure without blitzing. That, and and that's the truth of any great quarterback. And it'd be interesting to go look at how teams in divisions of other great quarterbacks have approached it, because that that's something we know as a fact. It's what broke the Patriots in the 2015 AFC Championship game. It's also the four man the four man rush. Both of the Super Bowls that they didn't win. So I have to ask this: Who would you rather have, Von Miller, or Bradley Chubb, or Nick Bosa? Pick one. One out of the three. One of out of the three. Nick Bosa. Probably he, Bosa. He was he was insane. I don't even know his stats, but it felt like every single play he was right there. He know, owned Eric was, Fisher. And owned he him. had so he had a strip sack. That a little bit of luck. That's what you need to win a Super Bowl. Ball bounces right back into Patrick Mahomes' arms. But I was thinking the whole game, wow, if the Niners win this, I could be right about Nick Bosa getting MVP. Although I don't think they would have ended up giving it to him unless he did get another strip sack or something but man he was dominant i'd love to see bradley chubb be able to consistently win his matchup i mean it's not it wasn't a scenario where he was just getting sacks all night but he was disrupting the play on every play i if the niners had won i was rooting for one more touchdown from kyle yushchik oh he almost had it yeah (laughs) i i I wanted him to get the mvp because i wanted to just see the the meltdown over a fullback getting MVP. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Speaking of inches, he was inches away from that. Yes, he was. All right, from the Danimal. Long two-part comment, so coming at you. Sorry uh, sorry in advance. Mr. Mason, my heart goes out to you and your family for the loss of your dog this week. Sorry I didn't comment earlier. I lost my dog of 14 years not too long ago, and it was hands down the hardest emotional event, event of my life to date. She went everywhere with me except overseas and survived everything with me like a champ, to include two crazy exes and being struck by lightning with me on Pike's Peak. Oh, my gosh. Never once judging me for what I brought home from the bar. (laughs) (laughs) Took three of my friends to scrape me off the floor when she went to sleep. My heart goes out to you and your family, man. Thank you. It's sort of a universal experience that all of us who have dogs have, but, uh, yeah, I really appreciate all the kind words. And, honestly, I love hearing all the stories of other people and their dogs and what they mean to them. And we'll all get another dog and... You know, it never gets easier. No. But uh, thoughts the love they bring is, is priceless. 
He goes on now back to football, supporting Larry Den Jr.'s comment from the other day about Shermer's system not helping linemen. He likes to get his weapons downfield. The power scheme will bode well for that mystery right tackle of ours. McGovern and Reisner uh, are talented to play anything. Gumballs is about to be in the hurt locker. His performance on the stretch this year was largely based on system, and he needs tight end help, chips, and a moving pocket to succeed. My prediction is we see a two-year install of Sherman's, Shermer's offense. He has, he's a great quarterback developer and knows abrupt change will disrupt development, and Munchak will likely insist some zone and West Coast offense schemes to help Bowles. Next year, we can get the right players to fully transition, and the one-year lag in removing his beloved concepts will appease Mr. Elway. Thoughts? I mean, I think you're 100% on saying there has to be stability. John Elway knew that last year about how important stability was. John has to know better than anyone. Vic has to know. And so I totally agree that there has to be stability. And it's not, no matter really how good the players are on offense, it's not going to be 0 to 100 the first four weeks of this season. It's not going to be 0 to 100 this season. You have to say, okay, we are committing to this no matter how bad it is, how many ups and downs there is. At some point, you just you have to commit. Absolutely. And you also have to commit to keeping your teeth clean. And if you go to Green Mountain Dental right now and schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, they're going to give you a free Sonicare toothbrush, which is going to be great for that commitment for you towards your health of your teeth. I actually just myself got a Sonicare, so uh, highly recommend. Really leaves that smooth feeling on your teeth after you're done. Make sure you check out Green Mountain Dental Group and call them at 303-988-0711. Next one coming in from Bronco Matt. He said, speaking of getting teared up, when I found out Atwater made the Hall of Fame, I got teared up a little with how happy I am for him. From listening to Atwater on Orange and Blue, he has more integrity than most people in the world. Keep up the great work, guys, and thank you for your for the time you commit. Amen. Mm-hmm. Where are we going next? Southern Steve. More on Steve Atwater. It's about time Steve Atwater is a Hall of Famer. It is well-deserved, and it was a great birthday present for me. Go Broncos. Amen. I, I just, I'm just so happy for Steve. I can't wait to see him in that gold jacket. It's going to fit him real nice. See what that bust looks like, too. Oh. I know. I personally felt like they did a poor job on Champ Bailey's bust, so I hope they do a better job with Steve. What do you think was wrong with Champs? Just didn't look like Champ to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did. I thought the best bust last year was Ed Reed's. Oh, my. It was one of, that was one of the best busts of all time. Yeah. Yeah. The other ones, when I, that are, the one that sticks out to me that I remember from being in there, too, Warren Sapp's was awesome, and Shannon Sharps is, like, perfect. There's another thing on Steve Atwater. Remember, he came into the league at the time that flat tops were in vogue. Do you want to see Steve's bust have the flat top? Ooh, that'd be fun. That's something – I'll have to ask him about that when I next time I see him and say, hey, do you want the flat top? Yeah. Or do you want, like, <laughs> yeah. late career hair, you know? Oh, that'd be what good What are you one. going for here? Yeah, yeah. Next one coming in from I Heard Everything You Said. Hey, guys. Hey, love you guys. I love that this podcast is here for me through the offseason. When the Broncos are not in the playoffs or competing for a Super Bowl, the offseason is my favorite part of the NFL. I've been following Mace for a long time and for some reason or another didn't get turned on to this podcast until recently. Very glad I did. You guys are full of great knowledge of the game. Your views, banter, and debates have become something I now crave. 
with a few years now of just really mediocre offensive line play. Wouldn't it be beneficial to go heavy on that aspect in the draft and free agency? I get wanting a burner at wide receiver and adding pieces to keep up with the Chiefs, but if we can't protect our quarterback, it's all for naught. Also, I think our best best chance to keep up with the Chiefs is with our defense, not by trying to score 30-plus points on offense. What are your thoughts? can do kinda both. Go, it kind of goes back to what I'm saying. Here's what I will say about um, Vic Fangio is the Broncos are always going to have a good defense with him. I'm very confident in that. Um, the question is, is it more important for the Broncos to have an elite defense or an elite offense? Would you rather the Broncos have an elite defense and an average offense or a very good defense and a very good offense? Here's how I answer that question is I think an elite offense is easier to maintain. And, of course, 99% of the time that starts with getting your quarterback and making sure you have your quarterback. But we've seen great defense. I mean, come on. In, in Denver, we saw a fantastic, one of the best defenses of all time. It is so hard to maintain that. And it so is. I think that's why I would choose the elite offense. Is it's you can have it for a longer time. I choose the making sure you have the elite quarterback. Right. That's the thing. The quarterback is the one that raises your floor. And if you've got that set up and you've got somebody you can win with for a decade, then it's easier to fix the rest. Right. Than quarterback. Yeah. And that's why yeah. Drew Locke has to hit. Yep. Simple as that. And yeah, I mean, this conversation is completely moot if we if we're gonna live in a world where Drew Locke isn't a top ten quarterback in the NFL. That's why the season's all about Drew Locke. Everything else is secondary. Yep. Next one here is from True Ute fifty nine. Two things. Shout out to the DNVR customer service. Hey. I had a hiccup in my free t-shirt code and sent you guys an email. Within five minutes, my email was responded to and my problem was solved. So good on you guys for having great customer service. We got the best in the mm -hmm. business. Absolutely. Second, the Smiling Assassin is in the Hall of Fame. Being in my early 20s, I don't remember watching Steve Atwater uh, live. But over 15 or so years of football, I've heard so much about him. Watching highlight videos of him definitely makes me wish I had seen the old days of the NFL when you could hit somebody. Being an athletic trainer, I don't like seeing players get hurt. But you're signing up to play football. You should expect to get hit and hit hard at that. Sad to hear uh, no double Broncos Hall of Famers with John Lynch and Steve Atwater next year, John. Hope it was a good weekend, gents. Got to be honest, I felt no emotion about John Lynch's <laughs> Hall of Fame <laughs> candidacy his him getting in him not getting in i was like i almost it might be crazy i almost prefer that this one is just all about steve as it relates to the broncos so are you one of the people that when i tweet something about yes. you know john lynch being a bronco and you're like no he's not a bronco uh, honestly maybe next year i'll uh, no that one's gonna be about peyton if he was the only bronco involved person i might be more interested but right now i'm just like yeah he's he's a the guy who played but here. With Peyton Manning, it's fait accompli next year. I, I, I'm not worried Whatever at all. Whatever that means. What I was think the word I know you what just that said? means. It, but. Fate it accompli. Two words? Fate accompli. F-A-I-T-A-C-C-O-M-P-L-I. It means it's... So is that one word or two? It's two. It means it's done. Peyton Manning is in the Hall is of that, Fame. Is that um, Latin? It's, yes. Okay. Fate accompli. Yes, it is. It, Peyton's it. Lit, First yeah. ballot Hall of Famer, no I doubt. it's Latin. Four years in a row with the Bronco. Five and four years. It'll be five, five and, and five four. years. Yeah, five and five With years. Skipping a year because they doubled five the year. and four years. But even in that year, 2018, there was nobody in. But it, that was a four-year mm. Bronco. But Brian Dawkins was a three-year Bronco who got in. Right. Yep. Brian yep, Dawkins right. is exactly how I feel about John Lynch. I'm like, oh yeah, I remember when he played here. He was that was cool. John Lynch is in the Ring of Fame though. 
So do you discount that? Do you John think Lynch that he didn't deserve be to be in the Ring of Fame? Fame. Even though he's the, four years? he's the only Bronco. Four four? And, and this is why I know people bristle at the Pro Bowl discussion every year, but when it comes to Ring of Fame discussion or Hall of Fame discussion, Pro Bowl selections yeah. do matter, and that's why. I mean, I'm not saying Justin Simmons is a Hall of Famer, but that's why I got a little bit ticked off that Justin Simmons was not a Pro Bowl selection this year. It's kind of one of those things where you you build such a name that your hall your Pro Bowl um, candidacy becomes a lock. Like John Lynch was one of the best safeties in the game for a long time. When he got to the Broncos, he was on the tail end of things. But, that, but that, because he's John Lynch, he was going to the Pro Bowl every year because he was a star. It's about stars. In my role as somebody who saw John Lynch in Tampa firsthand, though, I will say that the 05 season in particular, he played well in 04, played well for most of 06. 07 was the Pro Bowl that he got kind of on reputation. The 05 season stacks up with any of his best seasons from Tampa Bay. He He's awesome, and he deserves to be a Hall of Famer. I don't mean that. But I don't look at him as like – this great Bronco. I just don't. Uh, I since he, I mean, Ring of Fame. He's definitely a Bronco. And again, the but f- I don't think he deserves to be in the Ring of Fame. At least not now. The only reason they did it, in my opinion, is because it was part of this big push to try and get him in the Hall of Fame. Oh, Tampa's going to put him in their Ring of Fame. We'll put him in the Ring of Fame. He's eligible for the Hall of Fame. Let's try and get this big wave. The fact that John Lynch got in the Ring of Fame before Mike Shanahan is a sham. Because well, Shanahan had not been out for five years though. Okay, the fact that John Lynch got in the Ring of Fame before Ed McCaffrey is a sham. John Lynch had more Pro Bowls than Ed McCaffrey. How long? The one, the one, the one I'll argue with that. The one I think Al Wilson and Trevor Price should have been in before John Lynch. Absolutely. Oh, of course. The pro, the Pro Bowl, and those sort of things. Those are about national recognition. To me, the Ring of Fame should be about recognizing the players who are great Broncos. And they don't need that national recognition because, as we know, Broncos players are often uh, robbed of national recognition. So, to me, maybe John Lynch belonged in one day. He should have been at the end of the line. My, my, I can't debate anymore on this podcast, I think. Oh, my God. I'm not allowed to debate. Stop that. Uh, Next one. Coming in from the real links, is that yep. right? Hey, guys, first. Uh, well, he has many parts. So, one, I'm all in favor of drafting LaVisca in the first round because of one thing only. To me, when I watch him play, I see a player who is always making highlight plays, always making scoring, momentum-shifting plays that will kill the spirit of another team at the professional level. There's no other way of saying it. Cortland and Visco would be feared, a feared tandem that can and will compete with the best of them. Two, I have no problem with taking developmental tackles in later rounds. At this point, if Munchak says the word, it's law. Go for a premium offensive line guy next year, grab Visca and center of your choice in the first two rounds, and start building depth in the rest of the draft. Don't overcomplicate things. Three for Mr. B. Four, give me a defensive line free agent this year. Pay the man. Get him on the squad, re-sign Derek Wolf, and draft someone underneath that Fangio likes. I believe this would make for an exceptional rotation of players and would make our defensive front into one that can get to Mahomes and keep the defense strong in games. If everything here happened, we would be capable of a 12-win season, wouldn't Mm, we? 10 or 11. I don't see why not. Capable, I guess. If Lindsey only just managed to break a thousand yards again next season, do you see the Broncos making a move for a veteran free agent who has proven themselves drafting a guy they like better or sticking with Lindsey? Have a great day, guys, and sorry about the book. Links. I think they're adding a running back regardless. 
no matter what. It's not even talking about Philip Lindsay, what he does this year. They're adding a running back in the next three months, either through the draft, uh, probably a day two pick if they do it that way, or in free agency. But to his question, if Lindsay goes for another uh, 1,000-yard season and you just know that your running back just prints 1,000-yard seasons, I don't think you need to worry about that much. In terms of big-time free agent or yeah, drafting yeah, yeah. a guy high? Yeah. Everything to me also with Philip Lindsay is about making sure that he's effective for you for the long haul because you want him in your locker room, I think, for 8 to 10 years. And I th- and if he stays healthy, he can be an effective back in a specific role for eight to ten years. He ought to have a, a work done type of career, and hopefully, he can be here in Denver. Let's put it this way: there's n- no real difference, if even they're e- even better than him than Raheem Mostert, Damian Williams, Philip Lindsay. Like, you can get to the the pinnacle with good, not elite running backs. Right, right. But Mostert's kind of part of it with Tevin Coleman. You need two. I agree to with make that. This work you need to. They actually have three. Wilson is a good option mm-hmm. out of the backfield too, and that's why they'll add one this year. Yes. Uh, next one here from Ozzy. Yep. Yeah. It's clean. He says, <laughs> first and foremost, and most uh, and most importantly, congratulations to Steve Otwater on being a Hall of Famer. Well deserved and long overdue. Now on to the Super Bowl. I'm sick to my stomach. The Niners choked, and the Chiefs made plays when they needed to. Only after they were handed momentum in one of the worst officiated Super Bowls I've ever seen. How does Bill Vinovich get to officiate a Super Bowl after what he did to the Saints last year? The man is the worst ref in professional sports, and I have no clue how he's employed by anyone other than McDonald's. Don't McDo- McDonald's oh like that. Come on. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Just abysmal officiated and tainting, uh, officiating and tainted a rather good game. The NFL has to figure something out with their referees because it's ruining the game, and they should start by kicking Vinovich to the curb. Remember the Broncos had a long stretch of defeats with Bill Vinovich over the years, and then Peyton Manning, I think, lost several games in a row that were officiated by Bill Vinovich. Yep. Going back to including his his Colts time as well. It's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. Uh, what did you guys think of the officiating? Well, let's take the George Kittle P.I. call. How is that interference and what Kyle Rudolph did in the wild card round, how is that not interference? Well, Very good point. That's the, When you look at the George Kittle one... The letter of the law says it was pass interference. The point That's is, if you not, challenged it, you weren't going to win. Right. It, so right. the letter of the law was, that happens all the time and doesn't get called. So if you're a Chiefs fan, you love it. It was the right call. If you're a 49ers fan, you're saying, that's never called. It was... It was very ticky-tacky. I felt dirty about it because they were letting them play so much on the defensive side. You know? They were really letting them get away with a lot defensively. I think there was only eight penalties called in the game. They weren't throwing the flag much. And for them to throw that one, it was like, well, you're just picking and choosing now. But, again, it was offensive pass interference. So how much can you really be upset over Yeah, my problem with it was not that it was offensive interference. It was what they have not called. Right. offensive pass interference, what the standard has been I mean, it's all in other big games. That's the problem yeah. is it's a crapshoot. Every game, you never know what you're going to get. Yeah. They might call 10 defensive holdings in one game, and there might be another game where there was 10 defensive holdings that could have been called that didn't get called. That's a big problem with the NFL right now is you have no idea what to expect. Ending on a positive note, this one from still from Ozzy. What is your favorite Steve Atwater story, player memory from his playing days? It might be generic, but mine is obviously him lighting up Christian Okoye. Also love the play where he knocked three guys, including himself, out on one hit. Yeah, I think he wrapped the two up right there. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the funny thing is that's glorified in retrospect 
And if it happened in last night's game, you know, people would be saying, like, should he be suspended for the whole year next <laughs> right. year? Yeah. It was completely reckless. Yeah. Well, I th- there's a story that I like, and it's it's not from the field. It's actually his nickname among his teammates is Lumba. But. But I'll explain why he got it. Okay, go ahead. You think it's because he, lays he the brings wood. the wood. No, 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 no. It's because when he was a rookie, his teammates thought he was stiff. Yep. <laughs> He's <stiff as> a board. <laughs> pretty funny. And even in, when he tells that story, it's pretty funny, too, because he tells it. You know, he builds it up. He's like, ah, I thought they were complimenting me because I bring the, <laughs> I bring the wood. He literally didn't realize that's why he got the nickname until the last couple of years. That's the amazing thing. It's pretty funny when you talk to Steve Atwater about how great he is. He will, he will not. Like, he just mm-hmm. – he's too humble. Yep. To the point where, like, Steve, take some damn credit for what you've done. <laughs> He's like, well, there was that one. You're like, what's your biggest memory from your career? He's like, well, there's this one game where uh, I missed the coverage and we lost because of it. It's like, no, stop that. <laughs> He's so modest, but fortunately there are a lot of others who are willing to kind of take up his cause. And uh, if he's not if he's not going to talk himself up, fine. We'll Plenty of it. other people will. We'll Let others do it. Yep. Uh, he finishes and says, thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Working in the mental health field, there are so many days that are depressing as hell, but I always have this podcast to cheer me well, up. Well, thank you. We, Ozzie, love, we love that you're rolling with us. Next one coming in from <laughs> Matt. We, coming in from we need a pronunciation guy. <laughs> yes. Or just... Rolling through. That works it. for me. Macapi beer. <laughs> sure, there we go. So I'm currently in Hayes, Kansas, listening to fireworks being shot off for a Missouri team. <laughs> so many new Chiefs fans. This is going to be a long, 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 long off season. Sure is. Let them have their moment. You know, if they get one title every 50 years, that's okay. You know what would have made this off season way longer? What? If we'd never saw Drew Locke play. <laughs> oh yeah, seriously. Like well, that saved our lives. Yep. Just think what the discussion would have been down at the Senior Bowl. Would have been, oh, are they looking at Justin Herbert? Because we sense that John Elway likes Justin Herbert. Goodness gracious. Uh, we are very lucky. Yes. Very lucky that they finally listened to us. <laughs> yes. Next one coming in from Nick Scott. He says, Damian Willem- Williams should have won MVP. Just the league shoving Mahomes down our throats, in my opinion. Don't get me wrong. I think he's the best quarterback in the league. But come on. Do you guys remember... Do you remember how you guys talked about how we haven't been competitive enough against him yet for Broncos fans to really hate him? I think this did it for me. I don't think he deserved that MVP. This is how everybody else in the AFC West felt about John Elway. Didn't I say this um, on the Friday pod? Yeah. I said if the Chiefs win, it does not matter how he plays. Mahomes will win MVP. Yep. Although that you have to say, on the third and 15 throw, the fact that he gets faded back, faded back, and off his, you know, back foot off balance through a 61-yard pass in the air. At that point, no offense to Damian Williams, and that, but that's that's an MVP moment. Well, here here's what it comes down to is no one else blew us away. Did Damian Williams have a good game? Yes. Did Patrick Mahomes have a below-average game for himself, especially for the first three-and-a-half quarters? Yes. But let's say – and Chris Jones, I thought, had a case. Let's say Chris Jones had four sacks and a strip sack or mm-hmm. – uh, Tyreek Hill took an 80-yard end around to the house and then also had 100 yards received. No one else had a game that just blew you away, and so they were going to default to Mahomes no matter what. He's the common thread. When you have you know, Travis Kelsey made some plays, Sammy Watkins made some plays, Tyreek Hill, Damian Williams had a touchdown catch. 
Nice play design on that, by the way, I thought, on that touchdown play. We have Ke- Kelsey kind of drawing the coverage mm-hmm. and being a little physical and get in, and the 49ers being in the end zone, and you throw to the spot that's vacated, and Damian Williams is there. Did you think he got in? Yes. Yeah. I think if they had the right angle, he didn't, right. but I knew. As soon as I saw the replays they had, yeah. well, real quick. They didn't have the camera angled overturn. What the hell? <laughs> Let me just uh, – I cannot believe this hasn't been discussed. Let me just say this. Literally – Especially at Hard Rock Stadium where there's a, 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 a roof. Mm-hmm. Hang down 12 cameras on each goal line Yep. to make sure that we have the angle. I mean, how? How, 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 for how, how do we not game, have the angle? For this game above, above all. Yeah, you, I agree with you on you've that. You've got a, you know, months, almost a year to prepare for this. <laughs> Hang down a set of 12 cameras. If, it's, if, if there's no roof, build a thing that literally goes over it and has it. Like, to me, this is... The, it's unbelievable that there wasn't an angle of it. It's this. what you'd have to do in Tampa next year. There's no roof. Right. It sh- Tampa should have a roof. That's actually the biggest design flaw in Raymond James Stadium is that you're in Florida and you're out in the sun and you're baking. You just, like like they do with the Skycam, you put wires. They'll put wires and just one every few yards. Yeah. No, no, no. I don't think anyone would disagree with you. No, it's no, no. It's unbelievable to yeah. me. And in 2020 that we don't have this. And Mace, going back to the Mahomes MVP discussion, were you going to say John Elway in Super Bowl 33? That's I how was, people no, felt? I was going to say Peyton Manning in Super Bowl 41. Okay. When the Colts won. Okay. Peyton, kind of, it wasn't a great game for Peyton Manning. The truth is. They kind of got it by default. The truth is in every single game. Almost the most valuable player is the quarterback. So. Right, yeah, right. Well, and, and in Super Bowl thirty-three, John had a good game. He had three hundred and thirty passing yards, one touchdown, one pick. So that didn't blow you away. And uh, Mahomes was a little less than that. Obviously, more touchdowns, but didn't more he have a running touchdown well. too? He did. Uh, yes. But Terrell Davis had one hundred and two rushing yards. Rod Smith, hundred and fifty-two receiving yards and a touchdown. Yeah, what eighty of those on one play? Yeah, yeah. I mean that one that. That blows you away, John Elway stats. You're like, okay, he had a good game. Rod Smith, you're like, oh my gosh, exceptional. So you know, you you get that really probably with any game for his position. But John but, didn't yeah. get it the year before, right? Yeah, right. He, so he, they, didn't they, ha- they were he didn't have a great right. game the year before, though. He had a pedestrian yardage total. But they, but, that's but they were making you, sure you. This happens all the time. They were going to make sure that John Elway got Super Bowl MVP, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But if I'll say won. this: I thought he deserved it for 33. Yeah, here and like they were gonna give it to Patrick Mahomes last night if the Chiefs won the game because he is the the guy that they're gonna market this league around. Yeah. So anyway, Coach Tobin, here's a shot from a cannon. You have to keep one, sign one, and cut one. This keep is a good one. It's forever. Sign four years and gone. Cut gone forever. Choose from each group respectively. Offense: Drew Locke, Philip Lindsay, Cortland Sutton. <sighs> Why you gotta do this to me? But I'll answer honestly. Keep. Drew Locke, sign Cortland Sutton, cut Philip Lindsay, and it has nothing to do with Philip Lindsay other than the fact that his position is one of the more replaceable ones in football. Well, I agree with you. That's mine as well. Yeah, I, it, you're gambling that Drew Locke is the guy. Oh, that's not a gamble. <laughs> defense: Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, Justin Simmons. Um, mm. keep the age matters in see, this. You, and when he asked this question, he knew what he was doing. He was going to make us get rid of people that we love. Keep uh, Bradley Chubb. Keep Bradley Chubb, sign Justin Simmons, cut Von Miller. Yeah, I agree, too. Yep, I, I have a little more trouble with Von Miller and Justin Simmons, but I still lean with keep Justin. You just go with the younger guy. That's what kind of – it's not an, even a tie. 
Von Miller is better than Justin Simmons. But well, for the next four years, then who do you want for four years? Justin. You know what? Give me Von. I'll be different. Give me Von because as we've seen throughout his entire career, Vic Fangio can make average safeties good, good safeties great, great safeties elite. That's true. I yeah. I just. I, I think Vaughn – I don't think Vaughn has four great years left in him, and I think That's fair. Uh, mm-hmm. Justin's only getting better. That's fair. Like I said, it's it's really a toss-up between those two. But Bill Cadan replied, by the way, bad enough I had to watch Casey win that game. This is just pouring salt in the wound, not playing this game. Yeah, like I said, he, he, <laughs> set, he set it up that we were going to yeah. have to, uh, to get rid of some fan favorites. Yep. From Def Wu, well – this one is tough. Not only do the Chiefs bring one home, but they do it in the most painful way possible, falling behind only to come back in epic fashion and steal the victory. It's irritating getting your hopes up just to watch it fall apart. Uh, it was like destiny for them this year, but with Mahomes, I'm hoping it doesn't feel like this every year. There are dark times, but having a community like this to grieve with makes it a little easier. Let's just power through the next couple of weeks and make it to optimism season. Eyes on 55. Yeah, I mean, next month is the start of free agency since we're in February. Yep. Bradley Chubb's year too, and 55. The, yeah. Combines this month too. Yep. Three three weeks from now will be ahead uh, Indianapolis. Wild. Next Yikes. one come <laughs> next one coming in from Chad the Man. I feel like I'm in a nightmare that cannot escape. LOL. I definitely had a few cold ones after I had to watch the Chiefs come back for the third time in a row in the playoffs. It was like watching a movie you knew the ending to three times in a row. I would have much rather seen Brady get a seventh ring than Mahomes getting his first. With Chris, with Chris Jones as good as back, with Chris Jones as good as back with Casey after his comments after the Super Bowl. Do you think that Derek Wolf becomes more of a priority free agent? Well, what did uh, Chris Jones say? Didn't see that. I didn't either. I'm sure, he said do. something along the lines of like, "I want to be here." Yeah, right. I'm sure he's. Sure but he that's what everyone that. says after a Super Bowl. Sure. Also, do you think Elway tries to make his own version of what he just witnessed? That's what he did after Super Bowl 48, and he actually made a better version. Maybe he can make a better version of the Chiefs. I kid, but one can only hope. So wait, what is he saying? Can Elway recreate that offense? In terms of connecting it with Super Bowl 48, Elway saw his team get beat by a good he defense, saw then, so he then he recreated that defense. defense, but better. He just didn't get beat in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's clearly what they're trying to do. The Shermer move was, I mean, you know, he's he's from the Andy Reid tree, so it's it's on their mind. I think, I I think in a perfect world, Elway's goal is to build the Chiefs' offense with the 49ers' defense. Now, the uh, that's kind of a pipe dream, but we've seen him pull off the, one of the best well, the best offense of all time. We've seen him pull off one of the best defenses of all time. Maybe he can pull off both at the same time. Here's uh one of the things. I'm sure this isn't what uh, the listeners referring to when talking about Chris Jones. One of the things he said after the Super Bowl, I'm fixing to get drunk. Nice. <laughs> Good for him. Um, oh, he, he said he want, he's a chief for life. It could be a, what he said uh, interpreted in multiple ways. Oh, he wants to be a chief for life. Yeah, of course okay. he does. Yeah. But money talks, <laughs> and the Chiefs and Chiefs may not have the money to give him what he wants. It's true. So, anyway, from Dan Burke, well, that sucked, but let me recycle an old Vijay quote. Small focus with big picture awareness. Oh, it just kind of sent chills down my spine <laughs> thinking about Vijay quotes. Number one, Clark Hunt originally said they could look to push Mahomes' extension into 2021. Zero chance that happens with him winning Super Bowl MVP. What does that mean? It means that they, won't, they wouldn't work on the extension until 2021. Mm. Okay. Which basically means that he would play this year on the last year of his original contract. 
and then it will be their fifth year option or new contract for 2021. I assume his agent will walk in and today and say sign him up now or risk what will happen if you don't yeah they don't want to have him holding out it doesn't really matter they're gonna make sure he's a chief for life right for sure yeah the question is just how much of the but, contract uh, what i'm saying is you on this year his agent has all of the yeah. leverage right now oh so of course, of if, course. If it's his job to walk right. in there and just just milk them dry right yep Two, Bashad Breland and Kendall Fuller are both free agents. Neither are world beaters, but will likely be overvalued because of their two picks, and KC's defensive back depth takes a hit in a big way next year. Yeah. Breland was kind of nice last night. Breland was nice, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Kendall Fuller, given the, the Fuller connection, Vic Fangio coaching Kyle Fuller in Chicago, will certainly have good intel on him. I think uh, Kendall Fuller would actually fit the Broncos pretty nicely if they want to go in that direction. Four, he says, Spagnuolo's defenses have always bottomed out the year after they have success. A little Wade Phillips situation there. Mm, interesting. Mm. Interesting. Five, we get spared an entire offseason. The Broncos' biggest mistake of all time is passing over Kyle Shanahan. Nah, I'm good, love. Enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you know what the score of Kyle Shanahan teams in the Super Bowl in the fourth quarter is? It's 46 nothing. 46 nothing. Zero points as the commander of the offense in the fourth quarter of Super Bowls. Yeah, I joked after the game and said, well, it looks like uh, the Broncos made the right call in hiring Vance Joseph <laughs> over Kyle Shanahan. Um, what if that's like his curse, though? Then maybe the Broncos did make the right call. So do you do you have him around and then you kind of put him on leave the fourth quarter of every Super Bowl? Mm, you let the quarterbacks <laughs> coach take the reins in the fourth. Or you just figure he learns from That's what you would have thought last bad, time. Right. Learn well, <laughs> as a head coach, he's you learn from a bad game. I don't think the 49ers get back to the Super Bowl next year. I think Kyle Shanahan is a coach for that is a head coach for them the next time they do win it. And Not I think a reason I think a take. reason why they win it will be this game just as you saw the Broncos in 1997, win Super Bowl 32 after a humiliating playoff loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars the previous year. Here's my take. Niners aren't getting back anytime soon. Because they're going to lose some of that defensive line? Yeah, I thought that this offense. was like a lightning-in-a-bottle situation. They had a incredible defensive line, which was really the engine of their team. They're going to lose pieces of it. Jimmy G, the shine is going to slowly wear off. They're always going to be able to have a good offense under Kyle Shanahan. Uh, they're going to eventually lose Sala. It's just, I think this was their perfect storm year. It's kind of like the Panthers. You know, People thought, oh, with Cam and the Panthers, they're going to be back. It's just... I don't think it's that simple. I think they missed their chance. I I don't know if they I wish missed, success yeah. for Kyle Shanahan, so I yeah. hope I'm wrong, but see, that's I, what I feel. I could see if they decide that Jimmy Garoppolo isn't the guy at some point in the next, say, 12 to 18 months that they find somebody else and they have better success. I think in this offense and what Kyle Shanahan can do, they will always have at least good quarterback play because of what that scheme that scheme, as coached by Kyle Shanahan, provides. It's You're not going to get that from just any coach leading the way. That said, I do expect them to take a step back this year. They are When you go from 4-12 and to 3-13, and that huge bump, you are a prime regression candidate the following year. I think they win about 10 games this year, make the playoffs as a wild-card team, Second place in the NFC West behind the Seattle Seahawks. Watch out for my Cardinals. I would be shocked 
if Jimmy G isn't their quarterback for the long term. And I I don't think he's the guy, but I'd it's just a, be shocked. It's a Jared if they Goff moved situation. On. You don't want to know what's on the other side of right. the of the door. Yep, exactly. Yeah, he's going to be there for a while. Although, man, seeing the look in Kyle Shanahan's eyes when he missed that pass, I like I said, I'm I'm you know not a professional body language reader, but to me it said, I don't have a guy that's good enough. Right. Not just oh he just missed the pass. Yeah. That's what I saw, and yeah. it was sad. Next one coming in from, uh, can we say this word? I think so. <laughs> Hawk cubes. I don't hear anything inappropriate. I, I don't either. Hawk cubes, bittersweet weekend boys, but Steve getting into the hall trumps everything. My favorite player of all time. Love the content. Thank you. I say it trumps all as well. Uh, from Cap and Myers. Cap and Myers? Yeah. Captain Myers? Sure. Sure, yeah, with a maybe New Mexico shout-out thrown in there. Maybe. Hey, gents, anytime I commented, I was under the guise of Crazy Maniac, but I have changed my handle to a nickname my high school art teacher gave me when I was in a slump of a time. It was always, hey, Captain, how are you doing today, or something along those lines. I mention this because, boy, am I, or should I say, we are in a slump now. Living in the Kansas City area is going to be slightly rough this offseason. I'm already being hit with the, hey, how about those Chiefs comments at work. It's only 7 a.m. local time. (laughs) Anyways, I hope this makes the pod, and I love what you guys are doing. I've been listening to every single one, and I've just been more lax on the comment later. uh, Lately, much love, Skyler Captain Myers. We Uh, love you, Skyler. What I'll say is, though it does sound like it sucks to have to live there right now, just eat a bunch of barbecue and you'll feel better. (laughs) Exactly, that'll help. But don't the barbecue restaurants all have chiefs? No regalia. Just around put on them. some blinders, <laughs> stare at your food, and eat it, and you'll feel much better. Speaking of something that'll make you feel much better when ah. you eat it, Newman says, ice cream cake is the best. I've had it every birthday since I was 10. <laughs> I like to imagine that Newman is like 65. Yeah, me too. <laughs> That'll be me, Newman. World of suck. All right, let's do a Dove Valley two-step on this not-so-Super Bowl. Number one, we have the 49ers third and fourth rounders. Now those picks will be both one spot higher than Kansas City. <laughs> so we've a got a shot at robbing the Chiefs from getting some guys they want. I like that. Number two, t- teams typically have a long year following a Super Bowl win. Maybe the Broncos can bite that lull and steal one or both games against KC next year. Depends. I'll say this. It creates a scenario that we've, like we've said earlier, never experienced, at least I've never experienced in my life, it's weird having a team in the division with a target on their back. Right. Yeah. It's just never been that way. No. They're so, ha- it, like, the yeah. game, like, the home game against Kansas City next year is going to be lit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Facing the Super Bowl champs. It, and as for the lonely year, well, we've seen, like, Philadelphia struggled a bit but did get back to the divisional round the year after winning the Super Bowl. The Patriots largely have avoided the lull years except for 01 into 02, the first time that they won it. Every other year, they've been you know, very good, very competitive. And Seattle did not have a low year after they beat the Broncos because they went right back to Super Bowl Forty Nine. Any chance we get Broncos playing the Chiefs on the uh, opening game of the year at Kansas City? Mm, not much of a chance. The game I've been hearing is Patriots at Chiefs. Ew. For Thursday Night Football. Um... Yeah, I think it'll be someone more sexy. 
to and, and I know the whole Drew Locke thing, but I, I think in terms of a national perspective, they'll get someone that's more appealing. Did we we were talking about Broncos at Las Vegas Monday Night Football? Is that dead? I feel like that might have died. Why? For week I one, don't know. I can't remember. <laughs> but I, that was like I was just banking on that happening, and then I feel like something might have happened. Hearing that might be a late season game. Yeah, I thought that there was some sort of thing we heard that made it seem less likely. Speaking of a lot of possibilities things, though, for Las Vegas, though Arthur Blank with a little yep. slip of the tongue. Although we kind of knew this was coming, he kind of almost confirmed it. I feel like we're as close as we can possibly be to knowing that the Broncos are going to be playing in London against. The Falcons. Rumored dates are the 4th or the 11th. We still don't know for sure. And we might not know all the way until what? May? April. 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 Because you're going to have the schedule come out before the NFL draft. If it comes out when it usually does. Okay. So So we're going to hear about it eventually. (laughs) We think it's confirmed. Arthur Blank all but confirmed it saying, I think we're playing and I think we're playing the Broncos. (laughs) Yep. Let me give you a possibility, by the way, for the Raiders for their first game in Las Vegas week one if they're at home. Saints on Monday Night Football. Saints, if Drew Brees Raiders. is back. Saints Raiders? Yeah, if Drew Brees is back. Those color schemes both fit the stadium very well, <laughs> which I like. Um, he goes on and says threes for Pat and Drew. Four, if Locke can develop to be as good as someone like Deshaun Watson, which I think he will, we could have a truly historic rivalry on our hands. As a big Avs fan who still loves seeing the Red Wings suck, I've already got t- quite a distaste for Red. Five, Mahomes didn't do anything in that game that Locke isn't capable of. Honestly, I can't think of anything in the whole playoffs Mahomes did that Locke couldn't do. Uh, I don't know that anything good can be extrapolated from that point, but it still feels good. Maybe. I, I mean, I'm yeah. of the belief that Drew Locke would be a MVP candidate if you put him in that offense next year. So I, I'm kind of along with those lines um six if drew lock doesn't become a top 10 quarterback we could be in for a tough tough decade it's true like like <laughs> i said earlier i mean the whole like can the broncos compete thing should they improve the defense should they improve the offense the conversation only works if drew lock is a hit yeah i agree S- seven for john eight whatever the next couple of years hold whether the Chiefs' red scare bolzos his way into five consecutive Super Bowls or we see some awesome Locke Mahomes AFC championships, I'll be riding with y'all the whole way. And that is my Super Monday, Dove Valley two-step. Enjoy. <laughs> Love the two-step there. Love the two-step. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> Larry Den Jr. says, well, guys, if Steve Atwater getting in the Hall of Fame means karma-wise, the Chiefs got to win the Super Bowl, then so be it. But I hope – Real or- quick. Before the season, would you have made that trade? Yeah. I think I would have, too. Yeah. 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 Unless it was like I knew that Steve could was still going to get in next year. As long, no. <laughs> you know what right. I mean? But right. Have you seen next year's first-time class? Right. Yeah, it's it three first ballots, right? At least. Yeah. Who is it? Peyton? I got Calvin Johnson. Woodson. Oh, Calvin Johnson. Charles Watson. Oh, my gosh. Charles Woodson. And then yep. somebody else who's right there. Yep. Yeah, that'll that's be, that'll yeah. be tough. Thank God. Thank God Steve's in. It says, but I hope Cortland and Drew, who are the new leaders of this team, watched everything and thought to themselves, like Thanos at the end of Avengers 1, well, I gotta go do it myself. Which brings me to the next statement in question. 
Bye bye Shelby Harris. Get your money. I'm not with a paying a premium for a downgrade, especially one that's not all in. Vaughn has conceded, it seems, that there are new leaders on this team, and he's all in on where this team's going. Meanwhile, Shelby is like he's a rookie about Philip Lindsay. Bro, that offense or that rookie was the heart and soul of your offense. Unlike the super lost Raiders, are gonna Raider trying to get declining Brady Raiders. But we are building this team to win championships from now on, and Shelby doesn't deserve premium money because he hasn't bought in. FOH. FOH. <laughs> do you remember what that means yet? Mm, yes, I do. Good job. Frick out of here. With that said, how do you feel about passing on rugs and grabbing Kinlaw and Cushenberry to start and maybe getting some speed with Denzel Mims in the third? Two premiums on both sides of the trenches and still get some speed at wide receiver. What do you guys think? P.S. How did Nick Bosa get defensive rookie of the year and Bradley Chubb didn't, LOL? Chubb's stats were better than his in every category except interceptions and tackle for loss. I think it was just a dominance thing, plus his teammate. Oh, well, those did those votes come in before the playoffs? Yes. Oh, well. I think it was just a dominance thing. As weird as it may seem, Bradley Chubb didn't feel like he was taking over games even though he was racking up sta- sacks in the first year. One of his big games was against the Rams. Bradley? Yes. Yeah. Mm, well, and Still he, lost. And they lost, what, like 20-3 to three or something? Well, they ended up losing by three. But oh, they, right. Yeah, they yeah. closed at the end, and they had the onside kick. They were kick. down 20-3, to three maybe? Yeah, they, it was not a game they were competitive. Uh, interesting thoughts here on the draft, because uh, yeah, Kinlaw and Cushenberry, that'd be a good one, too. I just don't know if Javon Kinlaw is going to be there at 15. I don't know that he gets past Tampa Bay at 14 if the Bucks stand pat. Denzel Mims in the third. The I don't really think he drops that far. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard. We can yeah. play the he's not going to be there game all right. day, but eventually some guys do have to be there. Yeah. Yep, yep. Steve Atwater, Hall of Fame, says... Great name. I don't... Oh, it's a perfect name now. I don't care if the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. Steve Atwater getting in the Hall of Fame made my year. Proud to share the same alma mater. Shout out to the Razorbacks and the passion for the Denver Broncos. Also, the word for fireflies in the South is lightning bugs, and they are found literally everywhere in in here down south during the summer. This was in a reference to a pod from last week, if that seems random. I just had to get that off my chest because I was yelling at my speaker when you guys were trying to think of the word we use down here. I guess I missed that one. What's a better name, fireflies or lightning bugs? Um, Lightning bugs sounds more fun. Fireflies has alliteration, and I like it better. (laughs) They're both actually pretty cool. But down south, they have an ability to kind of put some different names on things. Like, you know, you don't... You'll call cockroaches palmetto bugs, right? That's so much more they classy. They make it sound way <laughs> better. Yeah, it's like yeah, cockroach. Be, oh, it's just a palmetto bug. You yeah, know? I remember when I was uh, at a hotel in South Carolina, and I heard people talking about, oh yeah, there's palmetto bugs outside. I'm like, oh okay, interested to see them. Not interested to see them. <laughs> <laughs> Oklahoma oh, Bronco so fifty eight. Man, Jimmy G is garbage. <laughs> I can't disagree. Uh, garbage is maybe a little strong. He's an average starting quarterback. If you ranked him one to thirty-two, he's probably somewhere between eleven and eighteen. He gets a lot of balls knocked down at the line too. Yeah, he does. Like the one to Kittle, he just oh, he just he didn't have to throw it that hard. Just lofted a little. Yep. Let me ask you this: Would also, you rather he didn't throw to Kittle nearly enough? Would you rather have Kirk Cousins or Jimmy G? Uh, Kirk Cousins. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. How do you think Kyle Shanahan's thinking about that this morning? Oh, he wants, he wants Kirk, Kirk Cousins as well. <laughs> 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 he always wanted Kirk. In fact, he's 
What did he say? He said something recently about like his decision to go to the 49ers had something to do with the fact that they could get him in a year. Yeah, they could get Jimmy G. Or, I mean, sorry, Kirk, Kirk Cousins. They've all wow. but explicitly said that was their plan. Yep. To just muddle through a quarterback for a year and get Kirk Cousins for 2018. Yep. <sighs> <laughs> uh, I don't want either of those guys. I want Drew Law. No. Do you see Drew uh, chopping it up with Baker? <laughs> yep, doing a little dance-off. Dance-off is a really <laughs> strong word for what they were doing. They were mostly just like... Basically, what you and I would be doing if we were <laughs> yep. at the club. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> um, but then he also is like posing for pictures with Bake. Yep. I like that friendship. Not, I don't want them too close. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm in support of the friendship. I am too. Yep. It's like I don't want them to be like Philip Lindsay, Emmanuel Sanders type of thing. Close. <laughs> too, that's too close. But I like the from a distance boys type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I do too. Vilka Dan says two things. Congratulations to Steve. Well-deserved and long overdue. Completely agree. Two, can someone explain to me the boneheaded clock management before the end of the first half? I just saw an interview with Kyle after the game. His explanation, we were okay being tied going into half and didn't want to give them the ball back because they had three timeouts left. In other words, he could have called the timeout before the punt and his team would have had over a minute and a half to try and put points on the board. And he thought, nah, it's just the Chiefs. We're good with the tie. Is this where she, where Skangs got his, let's just take a knee and see what happens in overtime? He showed no trust in his team, and it bit him in the butt. I knew this game was over then. If that's how he manages the game, he'll never win a Lombardi. I, I, I get the I get that, but it's like, what, what did we just get done with saying? Jimmy G is trash or close to it. So he didn't trust him. He was afraid he's going to throw a pick and blow the whole game for them. And I understand that feeling. I also understand you're here. What do you got left to lose? Last game of the season, Bob? Brent. Brent. You won Don't fif- hold anything back now. And you won but- 15 <laughs> games with Jimmy Garoppolo. I know. It's just I get where he was coming from. And the truth is, if Patrick Mahomes ever got hot, you were losing the game no matter what. Yep. And so, like, the goal was don't let him get hot. And if you keep the ball out of his hands, he can't get hot. I'd be aggressive, though. I, I would have been a Super Bowl. It's a Super Bowl, and I would be like, okay, look, this we have one of the best offenses in football. I trust my offense to, at minimum, have a possession that gets us down to the end of the first half. I'm going for the two for one here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it with the Broncos' offense, but I'm doing it with the 49ers' offense. Absolutely. I can't believe I'm the one advocating. I can't for either. Being I can't either. <laughs> but I'm just telling. That was like, I can't lie. When before. When they stopped him on third down, that was my thought: was I'd be afraid. I, I would be afraid to to let Jimmy G loose right so now. So basically, they were conservative when they needed to be aggressive, in my estimation. And then the fourth quarter, when they need to be conservative and just take advantage of that six yards per carry average and pound the rock, as John Gruden used to say, they decided to throw caution to the winds on second down. Also, they went down. away from the Debo reverse. Just keep running it, or or. Go back to the throw or just anything. Keep putting the ball in his hands. Yeah, Debo is electric. Yep. All right, next one is from Pig Tosser. Pig Tosser 66. Well, that sucked. It wasn't just the Chiefs. It was just the Chiefs' time, I guess, with three straight postseason comebacks. They weren't going to be denied. This game did show something to the Broncos' front office. Dominant front four play is the key to beating great quarterbacks. The 49ers had the Chiefs' number for three and a half quarters. 
and even hit Mahomes on the game-changing third and 15 throw to a grotesquely open hill. The game reminded me of when the Giants beat the undefeated Patriots in the Super Bowl, except the Niners just couldn't finish. If we want to compete with the Chiefs, uh, the D-line has to be the strength of our team. Not saying neglect everything else, but we have to be bullies up front. It allows you to do so much when you get that kind of push up the middle and around the edge with only four guys. I wouldn't be mad about going DL in the first round and then another on day two somewhere. I'll be honest, guys. I haven't been high on this idea. It's now firmly in my, um, my beliefs that that should definitely be on the table. It should if you haven't gone premium DL in free agency. If you've gone if you've spent a lot on Eric Armstead or even a Chris Jones, then I think that pushes D line a little bit down the priority but, list a bit. But I still think you add D D line on day three. I just love a couple du- of guys. I love doubling down on strengths. And so if you have Von Miller, uh Bradley Chubb, Chris Jones and Javon Kinlaw, like you're in a great place. I I get what you're saying, like address other needs. But I, if they did that, I would be saying like, I see what they're doing here, and I like it. But part of it is they that with that D line, they contained and contained the Chiefs and Mahomes. And then when push came to shove, you got a good four man rush. But Mahomes was able to just fade back, fade back, and uncork it. Yeah, and that's always going to be a problem with him. But the the real problem was that they didn't have a good enough quarterback to get them over the hump, in my opinion. This team has a lot of holes. Doubling down is very exciting at wide receiver, defensive line, anywhere. But you just want to make sure that you know you, you don't double down there. Get a cornerback, which would help sign Justin Simmons, maybe bring back Derek Wolf, And then at wide receiver, you're SOL. Totally. So it, it, it's exciting, but this team still is you know pretty far away in terms of the holes that they have. Last one here from Bobby Lanks. Now that the Chiefs are Super Bowl champs, we have to look at this through the Broncos' lens for my own sanity. Yeah, it's not ideal, but now they have the lowest possible draft position. All of their free agents are now more expensive, and you can imagine what Mahomes will cost. This is how parity is created, and and it's time to lock it in. The Broncos are on the incline. We are at least 75% of the way there. John, you're on deck. One up our expectations once again. Yep, this is John Elway's season now. We just entered it as he said he was going to start talking to his own free agents in February. So it's John's time. One, shout out to John for being part of the Scooter Gang. Uh, Didn't expect it, but happy to have him on the team. (laughs) Two, white pants. Four days in a row? Yep. Aggressive. It's Miami. Aggressive decision. I love it's it. Miami. You can get away with it there. I love it. So do we think he brought multiple pairs of white pants or just only packed one pair of pants? Oh, multiple. I think he just throws them out when he's worn them once. So, yeah. <sighs> yeah, I, I just, just thought it was new, a little. New, new clothes every time. Slightly overkill on the white pants. <laughs> just a little bit, in my opinion. Anyways. I believe that is going to wrap it up for us today on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. Thank you for bearing with me of trying to uh, extinguish the fire that was the Mahomes debate. Uh, like I said, if, if you're upset that we skipped over your comment, you can email me, ryan at thednvr.com. You can DM me, whatever you want. We'll talk it out there. Uh, but for now, that's going to wrap it up for us today. Thanks to everyone for the kind iTunes reviews and shout out to Steve Atwater. No matter what, no one can take that away. Steve Atwater is a Hall of Famer. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the DNVR Broncos podcast. It's getting me down Waiting up for you Cause I could have just
If you live in the South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy Spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the extensive selection of some hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-US wines, I find them extremely helpful and helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.